I believe so passionately that it's not mm-hmm. true and it doesn't meet my needs. It It's so much. That's a big statement you just said. I know. I don't think that the church is true either. I think that there is like... Does that feel good to say though? It does. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I don't know if I've ever said it like on the podcast. I mean, it's pretty <laughs> well yeah. known yeah, yeah. that I don't think that, but... Yeah, how's your, how's your Diet Coke uh, addiction going? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's <laughs> happening. I am in the Still thralls it. of it. The thralls? The thralls. Um, this is my first one today, but that was just because I was running late. Yesterday oh, yeah. I had 11 cans. But oh my it? God. I know. 11. 11. Wow. I haven't had water in... Do you want some water? No. <laughs> Do you need some like ibuprofen? No. I feel great. That's the okay. thing is if I keep drinking it, then I feel totally That's fine. That's crazy that you can drink 11 yeah. Diet Cokes in a day. Yeah. I, and, and I never have age. Like, <laughs> and it's the trick. Don't tell anybody. Oh, See this right oh. here? Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I can't remember the last time I had water. Which That doesn't means sound it's, healthy. But. It's probably not. I have a lot of back pain, which is probably my kidneys going... <laughs> But probably I don't. is it like lower back on the flanks yeah, yeah. i get a massage <laughs> once a week and it's oh, really funny helps. oh my gosh it's amazing but it's mm. a therapeutic massage so it's not a relaxing one it's where they're like okay we're gonna get all the kinks out <laughs> we're gonna um, rub out all this diet coke <laughs> yeah pretty much and i think that was the last time i had water because they handed me one and i told my massage therapist i don't drink water and she wouldn't let me leave until <laughs> drinks yeah that's that's pretty crazy I, it's been since I was, I mean, I've had diabetes my whole life and I couldn't drink juice or milk or anything Right, else. so your diet has to be a little different than somebody that, like me who doesn't have diabetes because I your mean, blood sugar. I'm supposed to drink water like a normal human. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but other drinks when I was a kid were complicated. Like I couldn't, like if you go to a birthday party and somebody hands you like a Capri Sun juice, I couldn't do that when I was little. Well, so, but why do you, I mean, I know that a lot of people are addicted to like Diet Coke. But as a diabetic, can't you drink something that's healthier, like orange juice or something? Orange juice has an insane amount of sugar and carbohydrates in it. So that's actually something that I only drink when my blood sugar is low. Because if not, it'll make my blood sugars high. But Diet Coke doesn't affect your blood sugar because there is no sugar. There's no sugar or carbohydrates in it. But does aspartame affect it at all? Mm-mm. Nope. Hmm. That's why I knock it back like an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. I had a... Um... Cokehead. <laughs> I'm a total Coke. I need that sticker for my like mom car on the back of my Sequoia. I had Coke and rum a little while ago and I was like, ooh. I like your Sequoia, by the way. I thought it was a forerunner when you pulled up. No, that's a Sequoia. It, um, I love that car. I had a friend who had a minivan and I will admit for a hot minute, I thought about getting a minivan. They're very practical. They're very practical because the, the thing that I like most is the two captain's chairs, like in the middle yeah. instead of a full row. Yeah. But everything else I hate about a minivan. And I'm I just, love minivans. I'm I love just... the sliding doors. I love how comfortable they are. You can haul so much shit. Yeah. You can put a mattress in there and Kay. live. You can also do that with the Sequoia. True. So my Sequoia has, they're very rare. We had to drive all the way to Idaho to get it. But um, it has the captain's chairs in the middle row. So instead of oh. having a full, oh, wait, your parents had one. They have a Sequoia still. They still have a But Sequoia? it has the three rows. Yeah. Ours is, the middle row is two captain's chairs. That's cool. Just like a minivan. So my kids can like run in and out. And then I've put, I take my goat on field trips sometimes <laughs> to my best friend's house. So I can fit goats in there and... Hmm. 
obviously. <laughs> I mean, yeah. a mattress if I really had to, but the important thing. Do you put goats in there? Yeah. I took my goat to one of my best friend's houses last week or two weeks ago. Hmm. Well, whenever. Um, you kind of have to have a rig like that if you're living on a farm. Yeah. With a billion children. And then my kids, I like drive all their kids' <laughs> friends everywhere. A billion. Don't you have like four? Three. Three. <laughs> feels like a billion <laughs> it feels like a billion because each of my kids has always has a friend with them because i'm not yeah. good of a mom you're such a great mom no. i let my kids have I'm friends i let, allow them to be social <laughs> so i'm usually driving them everywhere and like checking ice cream in the back or whatever but my kids are doing 4-h this year and so i chucking obviously... ice cream in the back yes. that reminds me of like dumb and dumber when he's just like <laughs> throwing the like the foot long wieners into the back for his dogs that's pretty much how it foot goes long who got the foot long? <laughs> except for me i'm like dilly bar dilly bar just oh, checking back God. there yeah your cat yeah, is a throwback. so cute yeah i used to lock him in the uh bathroom during podcasts and just like when i'm annoyed with him i've heard but yeah right <laughs> But he, yeah, he's kind of fun. He's like a cute little distraction. Yeah, a little oh goose. Oh my gosh. Is his name Goose? Yeah. He's so cute. He's Sometimes so uh, he'll snuggle with guests. Come snuggle me. I think he's really, he wants a snack. So, okay. Headspace. I'm trying to get into the headspace, headspace. of pot. It's been a minute. I went to Mexico and then I haven't really done any podcasts since. I took a little break. Oh, he's going to cuddle with you. <laughs> i have this whole joke comedy bit about um because i want to get i don't know if i've told you this but i want to get into stand-up comedy anyways you do oh yeah i have a sh oh, have full support shit ton of um comedy bits on my phone so one of them is about things that you do normally that are cons that when you are high become very dangerous <laughs> so like one is like petting a cat because oh. for some reason whenever i partake and i pet a cat i just want to squeeze it until it explodes and i like don't have the <laughs> the wherewithal to stop doing that yeah or um lighting a candle for me it's thinking 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 yeah. gets really dangerous for oh, me yeah yeah i'm a little stony i guess it depends on if i'm like if i have indica or sativa or what but the moment that the weed touches my lungs instant well see i've never i've always just done edibles oh so yeah. it takes about an hour for it to. i get the instant munchies really? like well i need some where's the hot cheetos <laughs> I hot need hot Cheetos. Cheetos. I need something Reese's. sweet. Reese's are my like, oh, oh yeah. man, I love yeah. Reese's. Oh my gosh, look at you, Goose. He's a cozy He's boy. <laughs> so how Goosin. how was Mexico, if you haven't potted since oh, then? It was so fun. I have never been to anywhere that tropical mm -hmm. or like in the, in the uh, Caribbean, I suppose. Yeah. Were you in Cancun? Yeah, Cancun for three days, which is kind of like the Mexican Vegas. Yeah. That's just my... Yes. My I would perspective. 100 agree. I've been there before, and very yeah. much so. It was really fun. Yeah, for like the city life, there's really cool clubs and stuff. We actually went into this strip club down in the like the bar area, uh -huh. and we were just walking. It was four of us, and they, you know, how the people out there, like the recruiters, they try to just pull people in. They're like, mm -hmm. "Come into our club. Come mm -hmm. to our club. Like, girls mm -hmm. are free. Yeah, uh, only four hundred pesos, five hundred pesos, whatever." So yeah. they, so Taylor has never been to like deep Mexico before, and I wouldn't, I don't know if like Cancun is deep Mexico. Well, it's very touristy. I think she's just been to like Tijuana. Okay, once yeah, with her which church are very different. Group. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> with a church group. Yeah, that's a yeah, very yeah, different yeah. experience. So we were walking around and she doesn't really know the culture super well. She's having a good, a good time. And then this guy comes up to her and says, hey, come into our club. Like, girls are free. This is kind of a tangent, but it's a good story. 
and she's like, "Hey guys, like the, the girls are free. We can come in. It's a strip club." I go, like, oh. and I've never been to a strip club before. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Well, first time in Mexico. <laughs> I just, well, here we go." <laughs> so we go in there, and the guy's like, "Yeah, it's seven hundred pesos." And what did he say? I don't really remember what he said, but he he said the price, and that came with a drink. So we go in there. He's like, "You can just look for free." And we were interpreting that that the girls were free, or somehow the yeah. communication got lost. And we walk in there, we sit down. He's like, "What do you think?" And I was like, "Well," and it was like eight p.m., so it's kind of early. There's no girls dancing, no titties. I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it seems kind of seems a little like not time yet." So we're like thinking about doing it, whatever. And then he just like puts some wristbands on us, mm-hmm. and then we're like, "Okay, maybe maybe it'd be cool." So we're like about to get our money out and then we kind of change our mind. We're like, you know what? No, like we're going to have to pay for the drinks. We're going to have to pay for the strippers. We're going to have to pay. And then we find out that that the girls aren't free. Of course. So it's like it was like 40 bucks per person. And we're like, nah, never mind. We're not going to stay. So we're walking out and he gets like angry. Yeah, of course he does. He's like, no, you owe me this money for the for the wristbands. Like it's my problem now. I was like, dude, no, I'm not going to pay you for these wristbands. I'll just take it off. So I took it off, tried to give it to him. He wouldn't take it. Yeah. So I just stuck it in my pocket and just walked out. And then we get out into the sidewalk and I turned around and it's just me and uh, my friend Summer and Cody and Taylor are nowhere. To- oh, no. And so it turns out that the guy, the the bouncer, the the dude that pulled us in there, he like grabs Cody by the arm like in a death grip and like would not let him leave. Oh, my gosh. So Summer runs back up there because she... Like, we're not just going to leave them. Yeah. You're like, bye. Good like, luck. let go of my fucking husband. <laughs> and the guy, like, gets scared and we just, like, just Run. take off. Yeah. And then, oh, man. So it, was it that got Taylor's little... kind of first experience with being hustled? Uh, kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, she's traveled a lot. She's been to, like, Hungary and Italy and all, all over the world. But Mexico is kind of a different beast. Oh, yeah. Especially Cancun, different. like, very touristy. Oh, yeah. And... yeah. So that was, like, the f- second night. Oh, my gosh. And then we went to like Coco Bongo and did a whole thing. It was like Cirque du Soleil-esque. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And then after we were done with Cancun, we went to Tulum and just like, I'd never seen water that color. Uh-huh. The cenotes. I've never yes. been to a cenote. Cenotes are amazing. Swam with turtles. What and are we, we doing here? Like... Let's go. I'm good. Can we go podcast in Mexico? <laughs> yeah. I can get us cheap tickets. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're the queen of that. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Uh, but it was so fun. It was like 85 during the day degrees mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. 75 at night. The best. It didn't rain like at all. That's just amazing. sunny. I did didn't get sunburned. Anywhere... Oh, I got sunburned once. Did you go anywhere... Which is surprising because you're super white. So white. I took very <laughs> heavy precautions. I was very proud of myself. My husband burns really easily. I have the funniest, I'll show you later, not on camera, but I have the funniest <laughs> tan line right now. Still. On your stomach? Yeah, just on my stomach because I had like a really high bottom and then my my oh, yeah. top was really low and then I have like all my insulin stuff and so it was on oh. the same spot. So now I have like these, I look like a nice. spotted Dalmatian or something. It's so funny. <laughs> um, but my husband burns super easily. So we were in Hawaii the same time you were in Mexico and yeah. it, the sun there's nothing like the sun there like the closer you get to the equator it just burns differently i love it though yeah it burns quicker yeah a lot quicker did you go anywhere um like off the beaten path i mean tulum is still kind of it's like two hours south yeah. of cancun um it felt like off the beaten path yeah especially compared to Can- to cancun but not really we kind of just stayed in the downtown area and the by the beach yeah. we just kind of did the touristy did thing. you have to do anything weird for covid 
No, oh. we we just had to get tests to come back oh, on the way back because the yeah. U.S. was requiring it. Yeah, I, don't know. I haven't traveled outside the country since COVID started. Yeah, it was my first time too, Ugh. and it was pretty easy. I think that it would have been because to go to Hawaii, you had to take a test to go there and to come back, right? Uh, no, because it's still oh. in the U.S. You don't have to take one to come back. Um, to go, you either have to be vaccinated or have a test. Mm-hmm. I'm vaccinated. Kids had to get tests. Gotcha. So, but it wasn't that big of a deal. We just like went through this drive through and actually for the kids, it was slightly traumatizing because we were like, hold still while I shove this stick up your nose. <laughs> I promise Dude, it's okay. So deep. I know. That's what she said. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's awesome. I've never been to Hawaii. I, um, my parents used to go every year for their anniversary and they took all my younger siblings, which I still give them shit for. On a two-week cruise there when I was at BYU. So I've never been to Hawaii until last year. Wow. My parents have been like 30 plus times, I think, or something like that. So is the younger kids that get treated with more special treat. Like uh, my parents are in uh, London right now. Yeah. Well, no, they're they're in Italy at the exact moment. I guess in this exact moment, yeah. Right when you walked in, I was actually watching a Marco Polo for my mom. (laughs) And they're in like, they went to Venice. They're in Italy right now. They were in Rome yesterday. They've been spending, they were, the first week they were in London. Yeah, and they take Dyson Daisha. Canyon with them? Just Dyson. Just Dyson. And I've never been to, well, I've been to Iceland, which I think is Europe. Oh, yeah, your Iceland trip. Everybody. But man, I, my parents, when I was young, we would just go to California every year. It's like, <laughs> all right, let's go to Sacramento. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Like these guys. Okay, well, I should clarify. My parents, we did travel a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. We did, went on cruises and I did go to England, so I was not... Um, I definitely wasn't shortchanged in the travel area, but my younger siblings definitely got to go a lot more. Like my little sister is going to go live on the boat with them. That's so until cool. Until July in Greece and Croatia and wherever they're going to be or yeah. whatever. And my parents took them on a boat. Ugh, we're not going to get into it. Anyways, I went to Hawaii for my first time last August and Clark, it was just Clark and I, we went to Kauai and I loved it. Um, I've done a <laughs> I'm jealous now. Yeah. I got like the... It's like my uh, subliminal messaging to drink, drink water. <laughs> Except for it's Diet Coke in front of me. <laughs> and for me, it's coffee. Um, so we, I loved Kauai. I've only ever been, I've been a lot of tropical places. Like my favorite place in the world is Belize in Puerto Rico. Oh yeah. But they're more third world country. So it was, I had kind of like a culture shock in Hawaii because the roads are paved. No one was trying to sell me anything. There's a Walmart with like a floor where they don't ask for your bags. I mean, that's kind of like how it is in the continental United States. Yeah, it's so exactly the maybe same. Maybe culture shock from like your expectation. No, the culture shock was I am not used to going to a tropical location and having things be that fine. Right, like normal. So I'm like used to like when I get off and it's hot and there's beach and a palm tree, mm-hmm. having somebody try to sell me tacos for a dollar or like these necklaces that were made in China or whatever. Or there yeah. it was like very united states so that it was yeah. weird for me i'm like we can drive on the road and there's speed limits <laughs> okay <laughs> cool this stoplight isn't just a suggestion <laughs> yeah. okay well we have to follow laws here interesting yeah. um so we went and we hit it hard like we did everything we packed it in mm-hmm. and then um, when we left we're like oh my gosh we have to bring the kids so then for my birthday this year it was only like six months span in there we went again with the kids and it was even better that's so cool i like traveling with just clark a lot but we usually what we do is we'll go somewhere and then we'll be like oh my gosh we have to bring the kids back and then oh yeah it's 
like the best to be snorkeling with your kids and have them see a turtle like in the wild mm-hmm. while snorkeling. It was the like, oh, makes my mom heart so happy. I'm like, that's even yeah. better than me seeing the turtle. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. Hawaii is great. I love travel. I feel like it makes all of my problems go away. Yeah. And then when I come back, I'm like, man, I live in such a small yeah. corner of the world <laughs> where my problems and stress feel so insignificant it's kind of healthy in a way i mean i the we've talked about the post-travel blues a little bit i got them hard hard. yeah but it's really healthy because it makes you go i am so small and insignificant but then it's kind of also humbling and makes you more grateful for some Mm -hmm. reason i don't know i am addicted to traveling like i just went to texas last week for three or four days with my dad i Mm -hmm. so the month of march i've been gone more than i've been home that's amazing because i just am like i love going i love going somewhere like when we went to mexico it was cold here in oregon mm-hmm. and then going somewhere where it's warm yes I'm like dude it's the best it feels like i'm cheating on oregon <laughs> and i like it <laughs> i'm not mad about it <laughs> but i'm very much a a photographer type of mm-hmm. a traveler mm-hmm. which is different than most people like my oh, yeah. my parents right now they're like packing it in Mm -hmm. like the coliseum and eiffel tower and the chapels and the the museums and they're just like constantly going and Mm -hmm. walking and putting in the miles by foot yeah and i'm like i just want to go somewhere just one place per day so that i can see it in different lighting that i can just take lots of pictures and be really slow and be more relaxed because i don't want to come home for my vacation and feel like i need a vacation from my vacation Mm -hmm. i do like to have one day to decompress and like unpack and things like that yeah get settled back in but i hate when you have to come home and then just jump right back into work and have you ever been on a cruise no the best way to travel it is the best way to travel so you kind of have to think of it like okay so when you go on the cruise ship you have like home base right so you can unpack you have your room you have a butler like a maid that comes and makes your bed every day and you don't have to worry about anything (laughs) you have access to food and drinks the entire time then you can kind of pick and choose your entertainment like you're like i want to go to this comedy show or i want to go to this or i just want to lay up on the top all day and then they do like one day in every port of call and it it is my favorite way to travel i think i've been on four or something and they they seem pretty affordable yeah well i was telling you the cruise that we did with um we did a four five night four day whatever anyways it was like a few days cruise with the kids um just to ensenada and it only cost with travel hacking for the entire family 125 dollars dang i know and it was amazing even if you pay for it out of pocket you can get one for like 250 300 bucks and it's it's the best i just i don't know i i'm really attracted to going places that there aren't a lot of people or tourists and so the idea of being on a a ship with just a bunch of white people just doesn't really sound that appealing to me. I gotcha. But I we don't know. used to, when I was a kid, when we'd go on cruises, we would, when we'd go to Port of Call, my dad would book some kind of tour. So usually, like we went, for an example, we went on a um, Mexican Riviera cruise. Mm-hmm. And when we got to Mazatlan, Mazatlan's kind of gross. And I don't even know. Where's that? It's in like on the south of baja mexico oh okay on the west side yeah um in the middle ish i don't know somewhere over there anyways i think it's pretty crime ridden now i don't know if cruises go there anymore because i think they've had cartel problems back in the day um my dad (laughs) my dad rented jeeps and we drove two hours up into the mountains 
I went to a local Mexican village and it was the best day. Like I paid a kid two pesos to ride his horse mm. and he, like I got to ride his horse all around the town and then we, my dad bought all the kids in the village ice cream. So wow. it's kind of like, um, that's pretty cool. You can definitely get stuck in the pattern of like, just like going with the crowd, which is not how I like to travel either. I want to, yeah. I want to be a local, but, Same. but if you have 24 hours, you can kind of determine what you're going to do. It just gives you the opportunity to see a lot more places instead of just like being regionally stuck to one place. Yeah. And then I, lo- <laughs> I love the, again, extrovert, extreme <laughs> extrovert, social yeah. person. I love being on a cruise ship full of people because I'll like, I'll pick somebody. I'm like, I'm going to know that person's name, where they were born and their mother's name by the end of this trip. Yeah. And then I like stalk them the entire cruise and we become best friends by the end. Or I'm lucky that I have a, a girlfriend who's more extroverted than me because I would probably have no friends. <laughs> It's amazing. We'll go somewhere and she'll just know people, meet people. Mm-hmm. She's always talking to people. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. That's how I am. I made friends with the, um, when I got my Diet Coke, I actually got it for free. This is where people think I manipulate people just because the lady was having a hard day and I was like, man, you got to manifest a better day. And I was like, can I buy you a drink? Or like, do you need a coffee? Load? How can I? And she's like, no, you're so sweet. And she gave me my drink for free. Wow. Because... And I don't, everyone's like, do you do that on purpose? And I'm like, no, I'm just. It's just the way that I am. It's but it's I a am. nice bonus. But I get free shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. I pay for everything. <laughs> so introverted. You got to be nicer and extroverted. You're so mean, Ammon. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. Your cat is amazing. Yeah, isn't he sweet? Oh, my gosh. He looks like my cat, except for he might be fatter. Is he purring? I don't think so. Oh. Not yet. Get him to purr. Get him to purr. He's just chilling. Yeah, he's a sweet boy. He's good. Good. I almost said good dog. Good cat. We have another cat, but she is very... Uh, is it orange? Yeah, she's yeah. orange. She's kind of like a bit more elusive. Not very social. When I pulled up and got out of the car, she looked at me like I was going to murder her and then ran. Yeah. Where this one was like, oh, you're going to let me inside? <laughs> yeah. I know. I wish that he would be a bit more cautious. Just because our last cat was way too curious and brave, mm. and that's how he died. Oh. So this one, I'm like, dude. So we kept him inside for like two months at the <laughs> beginning of his life, and we instilled a very healthy amount of fear for the neighbor dogs and stuff. And so perfect. I'm like, Just I can't kept, go through this trauma. I don't want to do it again. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Speaking of trauma. <laughs> Segway, look at you. <laughs> um, we were we were going to talk about like church yeah. m- Mormon trauma. Yes. Do you still want to talk about yes, that? Yes, absolutely. I've been on this like, okay, well, this is my, am I like the most frequented on your podcast? Um, no, I've had like Brayden on. Well, that's not a family member. Um, Probably. <laughs> yeah, you probably, well, I mean, Taylor, she's not, oh, not related well, yeah, to her. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um. I'm, I feel like we talk about this a lot, but I feel like it's good because there's a lot. There's a. It's just a lot. <laughs> My audience really likes you. Oh, really? Every time I have you on, it, they always get... Good reviews. Good reviews, a lot of listens. People are like, you should have Cheyenne more, on more often. <laughs> you can have me on as often as you want because I fucking love this. <laughs> yeah, it is fun to have you on. It's super fun. Hopefully nobody gets sick of me, but... No. So, yeah, so I think I texted you... It was a while ago. We were ago. talking about a book that you read. Well, even before that. Oh. Because I texted you. Okay, so I I am in therapy, obviously. Yeah. Shout out to BetterHelp, free pub. I just signed up for BetterHelp. I love BetterHelp. It's kind of expensive. Did you fill out the financial I did. assistance thing? And I got a coupon too. So I think I, I do pay less um, 
but they make you pay for a full month. Yeah. But I like that you can have uh, access to your therapist, pick your own therapist. Oh, yeah. I just had my second session yesterday. Really? Did it go good? I love it. Yeah. It went really, really well. I just recently fired my one therapist. (laughs) Fired. Yeah. Whatever. Broke up with. Yeah. Just because they were... And this sounds terrible, but she was a lot more self-centered than I was hoping for. Mm-hmm. Like, she'd be like, oh, I get that because I too, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, cool, I don't oh. care. I'm not paying you to tell me about you. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> but I have this new lady that that's really amazing. And one of her, um, one of the, she specializes in a lot of different things. So like PTSD, which I have some from like the domestic violence stuff. Yeah. Um, episode one. Episode one, flashback. It's a couple hours long. Um, so... But another thing that another area she specializes in is in religious trauma. Mm. So she was born and raised in a very like orthodox Christian. Like they had to wear skirts down to their ankles, Mm. like um, have as many kids as you can. Very like, what's that? Like 21 and counting. Like, you know, that TLC show. Like that was the kind of structure that she um, grew up in. She got married and then um, her husband had an affair she got divorced and got, um, what's it called? Shunned from her church because oh. she got divorced. Anyways. Oh, gotcha. So she went through this whole thing with religion. She's, um, she's a lesbian now and she is also studying to be, she's in clergy school, whatever the official term for that is. I don't even know what that is. Anyways. So she's gone like the full spectrum. She's gone from like super Christian to like off the deep end. Like I don't believe in any religion to now she's like. Sounds like me. Right? (laughs) I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I was talking to her one time and I'm like, I'm having a hard time. Like I know how I feel about the church. I know that I, uh, um, like I know that I have issues with a lot of like obviously the history of the church, mm-hmm. the teachings of the church, the control, the judgment, the people, all of that stuff. So like, you know, the church Everything. at its core. I'm like, but I also like have nuggets of it that I still, like I still believe in Jesus in some facet, but I'm not really sure. And I'm like, but when I think I had this like existential crisis, cause I was telling her, I'm like how the church dictated every aspect of my life, what I could eat, what I could drink technically how often we were supposed to sleep no one ever really thinks about that but there is how so so there's church doctrine about getting um early to bed early to rise oh yeah um and a lot of the church um meetings are structured around that teaching i've done quite a bit of digging Mm. into that so Mm, yeah i I can see that it's never it's not published doctrine like oh sleeping which everybody knows sleeping is important but there's a culture around certain things with the church that Yes. Are sometimes stronger and more listened to and followed uh-huh. by members than the doctrine. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, that's a whole other thing. So I was telling her, I'm like, how in the hell am I supposed to live my life when I'm like, don't believe in this thing anymore? But now I don't know what, like, it's like, what John Dillon says, like my shelf broke or whatever. Like, I don't have any, any support for anything that I'm doing. Like, Mm -hmm. am I supposed to sleep? (laughs) Am I not supposed to sleep? Am I okay to drink coffee? Am I not okay to drink coffee? Oh yeah, that's right. You texted me asking if, uh, when I come across something in my life that the church had clearly answered for me, if I, if I like was just rethinking every single thing individually or if I, in general. Yeah. uh, Because... I, I originally was doing it in general, but then once I started having these conversations with my therapist, she's like, well, pick something 
and figure out what you believe about it. She's like, but don't go so big. Don't go like God. Don't go like, do I believe in God? Like Dude, start yeah, with something that's small. That's good advice. That's like where I started. <laughs> yeah, I'm which like, is a... Is there a God? Yeah, that's a really hard place to start because yeah. then it makes you question a little thing. So like I started, I'm like, okay, well, word of wisdom. And I like started picking it apart. But then I I got like really overwhelmed because when I started picking through all the little pieces, it made me go, who the hell am I? Like... I, yeah. I, I know who I am. I know God's plan. <laughs> Just kidding. Right, right. But, but like even those phrases like are, are things that I've been taught. And so that's why I was like, okay, with you, do you go to those individual, like, do you go to that individual level? Have you just like, how have you right. decided how you feel about things? Or, or yeah. some people I think are at this medium of where they just don't decide. It's kind of like as it comes. Yeah. But that's what I do. That's what I do. I just, as it comes. As it comes. Yeah. Yeah. At the beginning, I was very much like seeking all those things out. Yeah. But then it just got way too overwhelming. I felt like I was not only having a faith crisis, but then I was also having an identity crisis. And yeah, it it got so overwhelming. Yeah. It's like 30 years of unraveling. Yeah. And and not only is it just 30 years, it's your entire life. Because like we were both born and raised in the church. Mm -hmm. So it's not... It's not like we had exposure to other things, but through the lens of the church. Like everything we were exposed to yeah. was through the lens of the church. Like, decisions were so easy to make yeah. when you're in the church because yeah. the, the church kind of tells you what to think and do and how to respond. Mm-hmm. And they don't really encourage, I would actually say they discourage free thinking. I completely agree. Open-mindedness. Shadow. They shadow this discouragement with personal revelation, but anything like even the the temple interview questions are like do you believe any teachings contradictory to the the church yeah, like and if they, you say yes then you're like sorry you, can't you don't go. get eternal salvation <laughs> yeah like you. you can you can have your personal revelation but like the answer is already really there for you so yeah. you kind of have an idea of what you're going for before you even yeah kneel down and pray like you, no one in the church would ever kneel down and pray about whether or not they should drink alcohol it's just because it's it's already a known thing. Yeah. Like. It's very, very black and white. Yeah. So now when I have, uh, I, I approach things with uh, like gray, you know, there's gray, there's shades of gray. Mm-hmm. And if I land in a, like with, I don't know, let's see, like word of wisdom stuff. If I decide that I want to drink coffee or drink or, you know, smoke weed or something and it's not bad for me. But what are you determining what's bad for you? Like health-wise? Yeah, I guess. Physically Because before it was just like, oh, it's bad because the church says it's bad. Yeah. But for me personally, I feel like it's not bad for my health in moderation. Yeah. And it can actually be good for my... Which is actually what the Bible says. Yeah, like for my emotional well-being or for my, you know, whatever. Like whatever it is, if I decide something for myself Mm -hmm. that is outside of what the church said and how I used to live people question they want to know why they want an explanation i feel like i have to defend myself Mm -hmm. and that was the topic of my last therapy session Mm -hmm. he's like bro you don't have to defend Mm -hmm. the only person you have to explain and defend it to is yourself yeah like yeah but that's so much easier said than done especially when it's with people that i want to keep in my life yeah i see a lot of topics of my um sessions are guilt i have because of religious trauma i have a lot of guilt like i and feel shame guilt and shame for everything but i'm i'm talking everything like yeah. if i'm late i feel really guilty um mm. which is not a 
a natural, I mean, it can be natural. Like if you're like, if I'm five minutes late, I feel so guilty. Like I have done something that will like make eternally your life more difficult. Like that five minutes, it's, is more significant than it really should be. But is that because of the church? Well, no, my responses to feeling bad being rooted in guilt, yes. Oh, gotcha. So like, you know, like you can, there's a difference between feeling bad and feeling guilty. Like guilty is carrying the burden, which is also, uh, as I'm realizing through therapy, really self-centered because it gives me more importance. Like who mm. cares? You're not, you're mm. five minutes late. Like the yeah. world does not revolve around you, Cheyenne, but I feel like it, it unbelievably guilty. Well, I feel guilt too when I'm late, but it's because of like out of respect for the other person's time. Yeah. But do you take that away and think about it for three more days? Mm, no, I just try to be on time next time. So that's probably you feeling bad and not so much guilt. Guilt is carrying it with you, which oh. I think is a lot of the, a lot of it comes from the church, I've realized, because the church approaches everything with this eternal perspective, right? Yeah. So everything matters with the eternity. The stuff you do now, you'll be rewarded for in the eternities, mm. that kind of thing. And the things you do wrong, you'll be punished for later, in, unless you were go through this repentance process which is bullshit by the way anyways um <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute we could unpack so many different <laughs> we could unpack just pick a topic there's so many rabbit pick holes a topic. there's a rabbit hole so i've realized it the 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 guilt of like oh if you kiss someone if you make out if you let them touch your boob like those feelings of guilt i've carried with me into adulthood mm. into an unhealthy way like my anxiety and guilt and the guilt specifically, I think, comes from the church. I think it's also has to do with like my upbringing and stuff. There's a whole other aspect and health problems. But why was I going on this tangent? What were we talking about? Anyways, the mm. feelings of guilt. <laughs> I'll get back there. <laughs> the feelings of guilt are rooted because the church has this whole eternal perspective thing. Mm. And so I've been listening to, I don't. This gets brought up every time you talk about church, but Mormon Stories podcast. Mm -hmm. I don't love John DeLynn because I think he has an agenda, but he does um, have these episodes where he recorded his, this conference that he did basically for people either still in the church, transitioning out of the church, completely out of the church. So it's a three-day conference that he recorded and put it on his podcast that's different than his podcast. It's about like na navigating mm. a faith crisis is what it's called. Mm. So it was like one of the best things that I've ever listened to because the first episode is an hour and a half of all these people like standing up and bearing their testimony of like against the church or, or kind of where they got to where they are today and what they were hoping to get out of the conference. And I think listening to it was one of the most validating things because in the church, you're always taught like, don't, don't seek out anti-church doctrine don't talk to people that have like right. if you're talking to people that left the church try to bring them back that kind of thing and it was so validating to hear people go like yeah well somebody was really rude to me at church and then i started spiraling and then my husband told me that he wanted to take a second wife and now i'm out that's a really extreme example <laughs> but it was really validating to hear all those people and then also you could hear how emotionally difficult it was for them which yeah. was also validating in a weird way mm -hmm. Anyways, long tangent. But it's all very confusing. It's so confusing. And I, I really try hard to not place blame on the church. It's really hard, especially when I'm feeling angry. So why? why because I want to take responsibility for what I can do, what I can change. Because if the church, if I if I say, oh, I'm this way because of the church, yeah, then that gives away all my power mm -hmm. to do anything different. Because yeah. I'm not going to change the church and I don't want to. Yeah. 
I want to be able to change me and the way that I think. So when I feel like I um, carry guilt or shame because of something, meaning the church, I'm like, hold on a sec. If I do that, there's, there's nothing that I can do. Yeah. That makes me feel like I'm just a victim. Yeah. So when I, one example, when I drink too much and I'm super hungover the next day, I wake up with like this glaze of shame. I just feel shameful the next day. I'm like, why do I feel this way? What is, what do I need to change about this? Am I, do I feel shame because the church tells me not to drink? Maybe. But do I just feel shame because this isn't actually good for me? Probably. So I try to just adjust my behavior. And then if I feel shame or guilt about anything else, I'm like, yeah, maybe the church taught me to think this way, but it might have just been my perspective. Mm. And so I try to just shift my perspective in my current life and with my current decisions so that I don't feel shame. Yeah, that's really wise. Of You said take your power back. There's this book that I re- recently read called The Dance of Anger. Have you read it? Mm-mm. It's mostly geared towards women, um, but it's actually, I think it's really fascinating. I want my husband to read it or listen to it. He doesn't read. Anyways, it's this whole concept of anger has a lot of emotions behind it. And really the feeling of anger is you giving away your power. Hmm. Um, uh, because when you're angry at something or someone that is uh, giving your power to somebody else, even though you feel like it's your feeling, it's a feeling directed at someone else. So you're giving away your power. So this book is all about taking your power back. And it's, I just had like a revelation (laughs) when you said- A personal one? A personal revelation. Wow. (laughs) I need to journal about this shit. (laughs) You should bury testimony next Sunday. (laughs) Twice. I did that once at girls camp. I got up for my testimony, sat down. I'm like, I ain't done yet. Got back up. Wow. um, Spiritual powerhouse. I'm honored to sit in front of you. (laughs) Oh, yes, you should be. I'm going to be married to an Well, before you go on with the- anger thing i don't know i mean i that's an interesting perspective i've always thought that anger was a signal from my emotions that i need to create boundaries Mm -hmm. because i always had a really negative attitude towards anger like oh if if i feel anger that's bad i shouldn't feel anger yeah and instead i'm trying to shift that to feel like okay i'm angry but maybe there's a reason yeah needless anger is is maybe not great Right. But yeah, I mean, every emotion is trying to tell you something. Oh, yeah. If you don't allow that emotion to exist, even if it's anger, mm-hmm. then you're not going to learn anything. You're not going to be able to create a boundary. Or you're not going to be able to, you know, fill in the Correct. blank. Yeah. So you have to, that's something else I've been working on is just allowing the emotion to exist no matter how uncomfortable it is, mm-hmm. which is actually what's helped me to uh, not be so afraid of like smoking weed because mm-hmm. weed makes me so paranoid. <laughs> I'm like, okay, hold on. Like, what am I paranoid about? Yeah. Can you do that when you're high, though? What? Go through what your paranoia is? Reflect? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I go through, like, massive mental spirals and rabbit holes. I just come up with more comedy bits. That's usually where I get to. Dude. It just makes me... Please be a comedian. (laughs) I'm working on it. Yeah, I'd come to all your shows. I'm working on it. Um, The thing that's interesting about it, it doesn't... Um, it doesn't discourage like sitting in the feeling of anger. It doesn't discourage that, like feel what you're feeling. But what it does, it it helps with your reactions, right? Yeah. So the reason why I started reading it is because my ex-husband lives here now and mm-hmm. has created a living hell in my life. Which one? 
the <laughs> you don't have to say his name i'm just kidding the first one the okay. abusive one the dead the father yeah, yeah. of my children okay um you know you can look up his name if you really want or message me later um, I'll tell you. Um, so he's made my life a living hell. We've been in and out of court the last couple of months. And, and anyway, so that there's a lot of anxiety and like all those things and anger and sorry, I just bumped Hector. Um, it's okay. and so this book has, is more about like taking your power back. So when you have a feeling of anger, usually, usually a healthy thing to do is have an expression of that emotion one way or another, whether it's, Oh, I see what you're saying. Punching a pillow which is not healthy. I mean, but if you need to, whatever. Like if you like if you say, oh, this person made me angry. Yeah. Like, no, that person didn't make... You chose to be angry. Yeah. You don't have to be so reactive exactly. to this person. If yeah. you want to be angry, be angry. But yeah. make sure that it's your choice. Yeah. That you're the one Got making it. that decision and yeah, taking that power that. back. Yeah. I agree with Which that. is totally fine because I get the feeling of anger. But then the, the interesting part is about how to communicate with people, that, like specifically with people that you're angry with. Like communicating with him, I'm like, no, I don't want to, but I have to because like there's children involved or whatever. Court ordered. Yeah. Court ordered. <laughs> dictated things that as much as I disagree with them it's just what it is so it's it's about um a a lot of people know especially if it's people that are um don't like you they know how to even subconsciously like manipulate you into getting a reaction because a lot of times that's what people want is if they're doing control they yeah control they want a reaction so the beautiful thing I've learned from this dance of anger book is about controlling the reaction so instead of controlling the feeling controlling the reaction and it's been beautiful because mm-hmm. i can tell it pisses him off way more than me yeah. so like one of the things is like he'll write this like diatribe of like why i'm a horrible mom or whatever or whatever his issues may be yeah and then he'll ask one question and the only thing i will address is that one question and typically it's with a yes or no answer mm. and then that's it i don't do anything else nice. and so that's the concept of taking my power back like i'm still angry i'm still having those feelings that's something i brought upon myself but i'm controlling my reaction mm-hmm. which then takes my power because it gives him no control over what nice. however i'm reacting anyways very graceful <laughs> i don't know i mean that's what i <laughs> seek is just like how to be more graceful in my reactions that's um i mean going back to my therapy sessions where my therapy my therapist and i are going to do this thing called emdr mm-hmm. yep eye movement desensitization and repetition or mm-hmm. something yep and the point is to like i don't understand the science at all but the point i guess we're gonna do it next week i'm nervous as hell yeah but it's to be able to see your trauma like a train passing and to not be so reactive it's not to like give you amnesia so you forget about everything but it's just to be able to control your reaction to it not be so reactive yeah i think a lot a lot of times when people talk about like um boundaries people don't realize that you can have boundaries with your own trauma Mm-hmm. which I have a lot of boundaries with my trauma. Like boundaries aren't just confined to other people or other things or other out external things. There's yeah. a lot of internal boundaries that you can have, which a lot of people are like ask me all the time. And my answer used to be because of the church, but now it's not. It's because it's me and I'm kick ass. Like how, how are you so happy and like functioning as a human when you've had all these crazy things happen to you? Yeah. How do you function when how you drink you all this function? diet Coke? 
how are you functioning with a Diet Coke? You had the shit beat out of you and you're still okay? Yes, <laughs> yeah. and I can joke about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and the, the reason why is because I've kind of, and, and there's a difference between being dissociative with your trauma because that's not healthy and having boundaries where I'm like, I acknowledge that it happened. I've acknowledged the growth and the opportunities in it. And I don't ever go back to it and ruminate because that's not healthy. And the funny thing is, is I know that that's how I make a boundary with trauma, but I'm not able to shift that yet into my relationship mm. with the church, which is so weird to me that oh, I can't be like, I, I, I don't know why, but I can't like remove myself and like think like, okay, this is what I've learned from it. This is what didn't go well and like give it space. Cause for some reason I feel the need to just like tear it into pieces. Mm. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe, uh, this is just a thought off the top of my head, but maybe it's because you don't know who you are yet outside the church because the church really engulfs so much of our identity. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're taught from the moment that we're conscious and yeah. more importantly, when we're baptized. At like, eight years old. Yeah, eight years old. Which is atrocious. To, to put aside your wants and desires to take upon you the name of Christ and to act in a way that Christ would... And P.S. So, we don't even talk about how Christ acts except for in the Book of Mormon where he actually only shows up one time. Right. Anyways. So we don't even really have, like, we're, we're kind of, like, putting off who we are. Mm-hmm. Our identity becomes this idea, this flawed idea of this historical figure that you're just constantly striving to be and he's perfect mm-hmm. and you're never going to be perfect and you're taught that that's okay and that's why we have repentance and things but who am i like yeah. if i have all these wants and desires but they're all bad mm-hmm. um, minus the ones that the church tells me to do like perfect. serve and and yeah. these types of things then you're constantly just trying to push off like this natural human being that you're that you're naturally wanting to be yeah and so after 30 years, like for me, it was 30 years for, of in the church. Yeah. I step out of that and I'm like, oh, <laughs> who, who am I? Who the fuck? You're like, P.S. My name is Ammon. Yeah. A Mormon name. I'm just, yeah, exactly. I'm, which I, I, I don't mind that. Yeah. Because I don't mind that the church is like a part of my life, yeah. part of yeah. my story. Because there is, there are a lot of really valuable nuggets of truth there. That Agreed. A lot of great values. Yeah. And I still contribute a lot of my uh the qual the qualities of my personality that i value and think are good yeah um to the church right um not 100 percent, but i think my public speaking my social skills a lot of it yeah some skills yeah. and, and behaviors yeah. and things right but yeah it's just so hard to to try and figure out who i am what do i believe about all these individual things and uh, it's massively confusing, frustrating, yeah, discouraging. Yeah, that's why I texted you a little while ago because I was like fucking losing my mind. I was shredding. I was like, how do I – like the, the crazy part to me is I feel like – I feel like probably since I was 16, I've known that um, I, didn't, I didn't have faith in more than Christ in terms of the aspects of the church. I think I've known that since I was 16. Mm-hmm. But obviously, I'm like, oh, that is – that is Satan coming in and that is Satan trying to distract me. And so I need to keep looking for the truth. And I think now that I've stepped away and gone, no, no, oh, <laughs> no, um, I think it's <laughs> just whack it. Sorry. Um, I think it's, it's made it 
it's made me go, okay, so when I was 16, which is like where you're developing hormones and kind of becoming the person that you are, if I knew this, mm-hmm. what what did I think then that I can like pull with me now separate from the church as my identity? Like I know I'm social despite the church. I know that I uh, am an extrovert despite the church. I know that I love people. Like the human connection is one of my favorite things in the entire world. Yeah, I love people. I love obviously making people laugh is one of my favorite things because I think it's the greatest thing ever but i'm also love when people like open up i love meeting absolute strangers having them tell me their entire life and not carrying that with me but like going you know what i value you that's one of my favorite things and so taking it down to the fundamentals is great but then the shitty part is i have kids and it's like i feel like not that it not shitty that i have kids i love my kids <laughs> but navigating this while having children yeah. is makes me feel this whole different level of responsibility. That's got to be way more complicated and it, difficult. Yeah. Clark and I talk about it all the time. It's like, I think if, if we didn't have our kids, like we still go occasionally even less than the last time i talked to you we were, yeah i was gonna ask because last really time going. you still went for the social aspect and... i still have a calling but i haven't done any i'm like the oh wow 16 to 18 year old advisor um, so where are you at emotionally spiritually whatever with the church now i mean the last time we recorded was i mean was a few a months ago thing. yeah well i i um the only reason why i keep going is so that my kids can maintain their friendships hmm. that's it And it's not even, I'm not even, if my kids are out of town or if we feel like sleeping, I'm not, I'm not making an effort. We're not watching general conference. I'm not allowing that into my home. I refuse. How do your parents, do your parents know? They have no idea. No. Oh, wow. So they probably (laughs) don't listen to the podcast. Well, they might have once. Hi, mom and dad. But. So they have no idea that you don't go or that you're not interested? Uh -uh. Um, Oh, man. Because. So that's a conversation. That is a conversation. Um, so I love your parents, by the way. I, they're leaving on their sailboat to live on it next Tuesday. Hmm. So they'll be gone for like seven months. So I figure I can figure my shit out while they're gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or just send them a little email. Hey, by the way, the, the hard Hopefully there's is... no internet access on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully there's not. They do have internet, but um, the, uh, the hard thing with that is my dad's a convert to the church. So my dad joined the church when he was 18 and um, so a lot of the draw of the church, it's just like any other organization trying trying to draw people in. They answer all of life's big questions and they make you feel welcome. Mm-hmm. So my dad had a really rough upbringing and didn't really have a, a really good supportive family unit. He didn't have a family unit really at all. Um, and so when he joined the church, it was like the biggest thing for him to get this concept of eternal families yeah. and eternity and being with the people that he loves forever. And he's built himself into this really successful person. He's been married to my mom for 30, how 32 years or whatever. Yeah. And he was Bishop, like lived his whole life, very faithful. And my dad still once a week is asked the question, how's your testimony? How's your testimony? How's your testimony? And it's kind of difficult for me to navigate. Who asks him? Oh, he asks you that? Yeah. Yeah. He'll ask oh. us kids that all the time. Because wow. it's important to him. And that's there's a lot of pressure with that. And I don't think he's doing it You're like, on purpose. It's gone. <laughs> so we usually always say, as well, I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. Because that's true. I'm yeah. not going to say I also have testimony of Joseph Smith or the Gospels are restored. And none of that other textbook stuff. But I do yeah. believe in Jesus. So I love Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but we were talking earlier. You had a podcast a little while ago um, when Braden was on. And I already forgot her name. But somebody else... Um, what abby abby and she had said something that made me actually do a lot more digging that i was like oh that's interesting because she was 
grew up Christian mm-hmm. and she had said something about, you had said, well, haven't you ever heard of faith without works is dead? Yeah. And she's like, no, we're all, it's saved by grace. And I was like, there's a whole belief system out there that you don't have to do anything to get to heaven. Like yeah, that, that I, was the first time I ever heard of that concept was when I was 19 in Arizona as a missionary. Yeah. yeah. I talked to this guy. I was like, yeah, you should join our church. And he was like, I'm already saved. Like, I'm good. I'm like, well, you gotta do some more. What, what do you mean? He's like, well, I'm a born again Christian. I accepted Jesus as my savior in my heart. And so I'm good. I'm like, well, what, what do you mean? It's like, mm-hmm. I could, I I mean, I'm done. Like, I'm good. I I can live the rest of my life. I can shoot people in the face if I want, and I'm I'm saved. Like, people believe like that. Like, that's don't you you don't believe you have to be like a good person person? or or not kill people in order to. So yeah, I guess. So I started just like kind of absorbing that because I'm like this whole concept of saved by grace, right? First of all, I don't think we in the church never really talk about the word grace. And it's a really fundamental part of a lot of Christian religions is this concept of grace. Like if you ask me, what does grace mean? I'm like, duh, grace should be sufficient unto you. I don't, (laughs) I couldn't really Graceful actions, my behavior is graceful. Like, you know, she's beauty and she's grace. Like (laughs) I, I, it's just not, it's not a term that we ever use in the church, which is really interesting because it's brought up over and over and over and over again in the Bible. So Mm -hmm. the first thing that I did was I, went down the rabbit hole of reading. So I told you about that book. Um, I just looked up Mormon Grace. Like I just Googled Mormon Grace because I wanted to- What was the name of the book again? Unveiling Grace is what it's called. So I think I I looked it up. I I didn't start reading it. Okay. So it has a a really significant undertone for biblical Christianity, um, which is kind of what I'm leaning more towards in terms of my belief. I haven't defined what they are because I don't think I need to. But um, so this woman- and her husband, when they were in college, joined the church. They're converts to the church in the Midwest. And um, they had four kids, raised their kids in the church. She actually was a professor at BYU mm. in their early education or special education department for like almost 20 years. She was almost tenured. So her oldest son, um, it's the story of like their development in the faith. And she's they were like going to the temple two times a week very active in the church. Her her younger son would take his girlfriend and go do baptisms every morning before high school. Like we're talking like Whoa. super, super into the church. They're from, they lived in Utah. They did. They moved from the Midwest to Utah. Oh yeah, that's right. Utah. You said she was a BYU, BYU professor. professor. Yeah. And he was on the high council. Like um, she had meetings with um, the Quorum of the 13, not 12 because there's more of 12 of them. Or 15, <laughs> I mean. Um, <laughs> so there's Deep Orthodox Mormons. Deep, deep Orthodox Mormons. So their oldest son grows up, goes on a mission, comes home, and he, um, this was kind of like the start of where they were like, what the hell? He um, slept with a girl at a party, and his friend slept with a girl at a party. Two different girls, same mm-hmm. party, two different girls. Okay. <laughs> not like a three-way or anything. Anyways, so. <laughs> not that that's bad. Not that that's, we're not discouraging that. From Mormon standards, though, there's, you know, but yeah. us, no, it's all good. Um so the not that one, we do it but do we <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't <laughs> it's not a thing i do Very happily, monogamous. happily married monogamous relationship yeah. um <laughs> i'm glad we clarified that yeah me too <laughs> <laughs> so worried uh hi mom just kidding <laughs> so he his friend went and repented to his bishop which is basically 
like you go tell your confession like you go tell it and there's some serious sins like sexual misconduct is one or or premarital sex where you have to admit it you can't just go through the normal process which doesn't make any sense to me anyways like how does this involve you you the electrician (laughs) i don't who's also my bishop who's also my bishop and in some cases my uncle or my dad yeah yeah, it doesn't guys. make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It's not healthy either. Um, so his friend goes in and tells his bishop, and his bishop basically gives him a slap on the hand, says, don't take the sacrament for a couple months. Mm-hmm. So different bishop, their son goes and sees him. He takes him to the ward council, and they excommunicate him. Mm. He got excommunicated. So that's where they were like, uh, yeah, some some authority figures are very much by the book. Yeah. And others are like, well... Well, but the book doesn't even say what to do is the thing. It doesn't yeah, say... Yeah, it's all up to interpretation. Yeah, it's all up to interpretation. Again, of these electricians and contractors and doctors and yeah. like people in your neighborhood, especially in Utah. It's like right. literally could be your next door neighbor. So that was their first instance of like kind of going, feeling uncomfortable with the church. And it, it wasn't that they were doubting anything. That was where they got more of the mindset, which a lot of people get at is... Well, the people aren't always true. Like you hear that all the time. Like the core religion is true, but the people aren't, Um, which is, don't you want the people to be a good example? I digress. I mean, but the people have so much influence and control. The people dictate every single thing of the church. Like if you think about it, the head of our church is a prophet. He's a man, Mm -hmm. like uh, whose opinion is swayed currently by his wife. Like that's why certain (laughs) things happen the way that they do right now. So yeah again i digress i could go off wait continue with your story i gotta pee i've drank so much coffee today you want me to tell my story just to them and well, not you how about this how about you tell you sing a song i am not talented well remember the last time you sang a song and you said okay anybody who guesses this song w- oh. w- wins a prize okay i've had two people i forgot to tell you do i owe them something well two people guessed it was fan of the opera <laughs> So yes. yeah, you owe two yes, people it, prizes. I think I it was uh, Canyon, okay, Canyon and Jasmine. Canyon, I'll buy you a coffee. Jasmine, I'll get you some kind of tea. I'll babysit your kids. Dude, that's the best gift ever. I know. All right, I got to pee. Hold on. Okay. Just so sing another song. We'll do it with round two for prizes. <laughs> All right. Round two of um, what we're going to... Pri- peeing prize time. Peeing <laughs> prize. <laughs> you have a tiny bladder. Okay, wait. Let me think of a song. I can't think of a song. Um, oh, here we go. No, that was an easy one. Um, okay. That was an easy one. So if you get that one correct, it has to be the first person. The first person to hit up Ammon with the correct answer for what song that was. I will buy you coffee. If you don't drink coffee, then I'll buy you a soda or something. If you can name not only what, what it's from, okay, but who sings it and the name of it, okay? Those three things. Where it's from, who sings it, and the name. That was the easiest one in the world. Oh, look, he's back. I told them they have to tell me where it's from, who sings it, and the name of the song. They have to name, they have to say, what did you say? What it's from. Okay. Who sings it? And the name of the song. Nice. Otherwise, yeah, you got you to raise the stakes. Otherwise, you're going to be giving away a lot of gifts. <laughs> well, that was also the easiest. Oh, the easiest. I won't tell you because it's cheating, but I wish you knew sign language because I'd sign it to you. I'd be like, 
Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's crazy that uh, you guys all learned sign language yeah. because of um, um, Rachel. Rachel, yeah, Mitchell's yep. wife. Yeah, she's so uh, cool. She got cochlears, so she can hear now. Differently, oh, that's cool. But we still all sign. It's pretty fun. Sweet. Mitchell's blind right now, so they're like. I saw a picture of him with like a pirate's. Yeah. What is that thing? Like a. He has an eye patch. An eye patch. Yeah. Dude, the poor kid. That kid has more health stuff oh, going man. on than any. Yeah. Younger than thirty year old should. He's so smart. Oh my gosh, he is he is so smart yeah. hanging out with him is like one of my favorite things it's one of the only times i feel this sounds so conceited but it's one of the only times i feel dumb is when i'm hanging out with my brother I'm like he's so he's cool. probably just gonna like figure out solutions to all of his health issues because of his oh smartness well he had an infection in his leg and he almost lost his leg like they almost had to oh. amputate it wow but he literally went to the doctor after they'd done a bunch of surgeries and was like oh i think you've done one he's like why don't we do oxygen chamber therapy Oh, yeah, I've done one of those. Yeah. They do it for people with, yeah, like open wounds, yeah. diabetics and yeah. stuff. Which he had an open wound and he was a diabetic and no one had thought of it. And yeah. he did the oxygen chamber. It's such a weird concept that that would help. Well. It's like this pressurized tank you just get into and it feels like you're in an airplane. Yeah. Like your ears are popping. And you're supposed to equalize as it pressurizes. Uh-huh. And then you just sit there for like 15 minutes in this chamber of pressurized oxygen and it like heals your wounds yeah like, yeah well if you think about what your skin's made out of it's a whole thing well yeah i'm sure if you think about it <laughs> <laughs> just think about it Ammon. but if you just like say it just like that it's it's a weird concept you know like oh this person's diabetic they have open, open wound what could we do let's put them in a concentrated oxygen chamber yeah. okay <laughs> and then it just like yeah so but that was the only thing that healed his leg it saved his leg was doing that and he was wow. the one that came up with that therapy by himself like yeah. the doctor wow. didn't even offer it it was oh interesting yeah he went in and was like let's try this and they're like okay well last resort and then it healed his leg <laughs> yeah we had a free uh tank session with our membership at our like uh medical clinic oh wow that's exciting yeah. and you just went in there and you're like did you come out like did you have any wounds? No, it was just free. They're like, yeah, you can just try it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it comes free with the membership. It's free trial. Cool. So we just, me and Taylor went in there and sat in there together. That's awesome. And yeah, just took a lot of selfies and I didn't really notice any. <laughs> you like, brought your phone in? Yeah, you can bring your phone. What? You just wear your clothes. You just lay there. Oh, Mitchell had to like strip down Oh. and couldn't have any devices because they might explode or something. Nope. I had my phone in there glad you made it it made my eyeballs feel weird that's really? the one thing i remember yeah huh. i wonder if it's because of the pressure because you have sinuses like yeah. next to your eyes and so if you have right. pressure there yeah it made my eyes kind of watery and itchy feel kind of uncomfortable <laughs> you're like and i'm done with this now i get why it was free <laughs> yeah well i just don't really i mean i guess it's healthy for anyone yeah don't quote me on that that's not medical <laughs> advice i don't know that for sure but i guess it's yeah it's good for huh. i mean oxygen yeah, I mean, we all need it, but I guess... Not all of us need it all the time in pressurized form. Okay, wait, so what was your story that you were telling? Where were okay, you, you kept book. digressing. <laughs> no, book. no, what was it? You were talking about the prophets, how he, his opinion is swayed by his wife. Oh, yes. And you were going to tell a story. Yeah, I'm still telling the story of the book. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> like, I talk yeah. forever. <laughs> okay, because what fun. I was saying is, is one got excommunicated, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And and that's where I went down the spiraling. Okay, got it. The, the, their excuse at that time was, well, it's, a, it's God's church that has men who are imperfect involved, which is a really big uh, undertone in the church for when 
weird things happen. Yeah. Even though it should be not an undertone, it should be more of a concern, but. It should also be more, well, yeah, I don't know. Keep going. (laughs) We'll get there. Yeah. So, so he gets excommunicated. Then their younger son, meanwhile, goes on a mission. So he gets called to serve in, I don't know, like Florida or something. And so they're living their merry old lives. Their son is trying to get permission to get rebaptized. So he's doing all the things that he has to do, not taking a sacrament, going to church, whatever. Yeah. Um, and how, how old was he? I think he was like 24. Okay. So he was a he was a returned missionary, had his endowments out, and then slept with a girl. And so they stripped him of his membership. Um, they actually didn't let him go to church for a little while, which is hmm. crazy to me. Because if wow. church is the walls, like the safe haven for the sinners, then you'd think that but again, Utah, sometimes there's a little bit of different. There's also probably some details we don't know. Yeah. Like the excommunication is typically a decision that the leaders and the person make together. Like they both agree that it's best. Yeah. Unless you just don't show up to your disciplinary council, council meeting. Again, sitting in front of a bunch of realtors. Yeah. Realtors yeah. and you know, yeah, just whoever else. Like there's not, they're not judges. They're just like human beings. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. So the the feeling, though, from like the way that she tells it is it was not a mutual decision. It was very mm. much a um, he didn't want it to happen. And they said, this is the only option. Mm. Um, I think it's because he was a repeat offender because they'd brought him in for masturbating before oh. in front of disciplinary counsel. For masturbating? For masturbating, which is wow. really intense. So I think it was Dude, just probably... pull everybody in to discipline them then because everybody <laughs> let's fucking just, masturbates. Let's just do this. Like, let's just do this all over the pulpit. Like, just, okay, everybody, just cover your eyes. We all know. Yeah, why is it a secret? <laughs> I don't know. Everybody I don't... pretends like they don't. Yeah, I don't get it yeah. at all. Yeah, I had a somebody, I don't give details, who was dating, when I was a teenager, was dating this guy and she said oh yeah i asked him if he masturbates and he admitted it to me so we broke up and i was like bitch you're in for a hard life <laughs> i'm like wow you're about to it's gonna get a lot harder for you um yeah. p.s hypocrite because i know what you're doing alone in your bedroom anyways <laughs> <laughs> Again, maybe there's people out there that digressing. don't you know yeah maybe and maybe is. they are but who cares like that's all your own personal experience and yeah. you shouldn't have to get up in front of a bunch of people and like admit to doing that and then have that be carried with you if we believe in forgiveness why are you saying well you're a repeat offender like if he already participated in the repentance process that we all believe in like why why are you holding on to that for him right maybe it needed to be like a a harsher punishment or yeah maybe he needs to they need to do something so he takes it more seriously or who knows who knows but again there's so much room for interpretation which drives me crazy so their younger son goes on a mission to Florida, and then he starts writing them these kind of interesting letters. Like um, his letters go from being focused on like the teachings of the church and how much he's doing for baptism and kind of like the tone that missionaries get in like bearing their testimony and Joseph Smith and the restored gospel and all mm-hmm. that. They shift from that to purely being about Jesus. So, which it's not common in the church, at least from my experience, for people to talk openly about like in a lot of other Christian churches, to talk openly about Jesus, like like this, like, oh, yeah, I love Jesus, or Jesus is a great guy. Or, That's just not how it is. Like, mm-hmm. we, you might do it in the tones of, um, like, sacrament meeting or during some lessons, but informally discussions about Jesus, in oh. my experience, haven't been very common. Okay. Like, 
I've never gone over to somebody's house that's also a member and we've just sat down and been like, man, did you think about like, um, without it being serious, like, oh yeah, today I really felt Jesus in my heart. And I felt like, you know, when I was driving, like, I just really felt Jesus. It's, it's usually not that way. It's usually like, oh, I had a really strong impression of the Holy Ghost and Mm. something a little bit more deeper where I've, in my experience recently, I've realized with a little bit more mainstream Christianity, whatever the hell that is, (laughs) there's a lot more open conversations about Jesus. So basically his letter started having that tone, like, oh, I'm so grateful that Jesus did this. And he starts talking about grace a lot. And then he starts really encouraging his family to read the New Testament. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's, obviously there's something going on, but it's not too alarming for them at the time because he's still talking about Christ, which is like Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Is that why when your dad calls you, you just say, Uh uh-huh. Jesus is great to not like raise any flags. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I believe in Jesus. And you're being honest. Yeah. I'm being honest. And I, I mean, it might be lying by omission, but it's, that's what my testimony is. Maybe you're just not ready for the conversation. Yeah. That's probably what it is. Which it's interesting to me that we, we kind of have this idea that we need to have a conversation. Like, where does that come from? Why do we need to have a conversation? Yeah. Also, a lot of it has to do with like, you feel like you have to go announce yourself as leaving the church like oh i need to go get x i need so to many officially... people do that on facebook uh, it's like why just do uh, you i mean my personal opinion is that it's kind of cringy yeah but i, I think know. it's part of the culture and so i think it's carrying some of the toxicity with i mean you. what i might be hypocritical saying that because i i didn't do like a announcement post on yeah. facebook but i talk about it in the podcast I, you talk about it i post it on my <laughs> I talk about religious topics or spiritual topics in my Instagram sometimes. Yeah, but you never went out and said, I have made an executive decision to leave the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints because of A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I might have done that to uh, the people in my life in person. Right. That I was like, hey, I'm going to take a step away. Yeah, which sometimes is important to do, especially if you have people that are still active in the church because they feel the need to understand. Yeah. But the, the issue that I have is when you have this feeling that you have to do that because that's kind of the expectation that's laid out in the church. Yeah. We're leaning back on that. Like, just do whatever is individually good for you. you don't I had to. a really strong need to be understood as well. Yeah. Like, I, I've learned recently that my, I think I said this in the podcast, that my opinion to myself means nothing. Right. And I don't respect myself. Yeah. Really. If I'm being I honest. I respect you. Well, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. But that has led me to, and maybe that's a, something from the church. Like I've always just sought the respect and opinion from other people in order to develop respect for myself and yeah. my behavior and my own opinion. That's yeah. how I develop an opinion is by talking to people about it. And I'm trying to get away from that. Yeah. To so be the, to get that external validation and do more self validation. Yeah, internal which validation. Is really hard. It is hard, but I feel like that's where my confidence will come from. Yeah. And that I won't need, I won't have this like compulsive need to always tell people or explain my position to people. Yeah. Because I'm solid. I have my opinion. I know in my heart what my intent is and things. And uh, just, yeah, taking back my power. Yeah. And I think we talked about it last time how like if, if we die and we get to heaven and everything that the church taught was true, like 100% to the T, everything was true. And like God sits me down and goes, what What the heck? I'm going to be like, I have no problem telling First you. First of all, can you say heck? 
God. First of all, I'm pretty sure the accurate word is hell. Second of all, you're drinking wine right what now. What the heaven? <laughs> yeah, drinking wine. <laughs> what the heaven? What the Cheyenne? heaven? <laughs> what the heaven, Cheyenne? You're obviously not coming here. But I have enough confidence in my. Mm, when I make a decision, it's very vetted out. Even though my yeah, life doesn't seem thinker. that way because I've been married so many times. You're a deep thinker. Yeah. So I have no problem if I get to heaven and all of it's true and like I was off the beaten path or left the iron rod or whatever, I have no reason, no, no qualms about sitting down and being honest with why I was that way. And then also asking questions like, okay, if all of that was true, I have a list of concerns for you yeah. and I'm not sure if I want to live with you with eternity if you let A, B, C, D, E, F happen. So let's talk about this. Like yeah, yeah. the there's, it, when I get, if, if I'm going to form an opinion about something, I usually start with internal validation, which sometimes comes across as prideful, but it's I'm the only one that knows all my own shit, so I have to decide what I'm going to do for me. But yeah. that's why I've had a hard time with like the the navigating what to do next with the church, because I have kids, and I'm like, oh shit, I can't just... So it's just, not just you yeah, that it's affecting. Yeah, it's not just me, yeah. Um, well, I got some news for you, like... Even if you did raise them in the church, they're still going to grow up and do whatever they want to oh, do. Oh, I know. And I know that you're like responsible for their well-being and stuff now, but I don't know. I'm not a parent, so I can't really speak to it too much. But I think that just giving your kids education, teaching yeah. them how to think yeah. critically mm -hmm. so that when they are faced with their own accountability, they know how to, how to make a, a proper decision yeah. that's going to be good for them, that's going to be healthy for them, that's only going to affect them yeah. for the most part. And I think the reason why the kid part impacts me so much is, to be honest, I don't, my, I'm terrified of my daughter going into young women's because I think that's when a lot of the unhealthy thoughts about a woman and the role implementation and all of that kind of starts being taught more mm. heavily is in young women's. Yeah. So I'm terrified of that. But at the same time, they're dad who they go visit is a very active member of the church and so what i'm afraid of creating is them feeling guilt um from their dad that we aren't oh. participating in church yeah. which i can't control anybody else so why the fuck do i care right but it's something where like my kids i just don't want to i don't want to implement that extra guilt or shame because of a decision i made that if i hadn't made it wouldn't have necessarily happened well it sounds like you're very much a passionate mother that you're trying to be, it just sounds like love is a big factor. Oh, yeah. Like you love them a lot oh, yeah. and you don't want them to. No, I hate them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I think there's a, a level of, it makes you human. Yeah. To your kids. Right. And I think that it's okay to see, for kids to see their parents struggle with a decision oh, yeah. to make I think a it's mistake. Actually, I think it's actually important because then it also shows them how to navigate yeah. certain things. Like for sure. It's just. Like you could explain to them, this is why I'm doing this. I yeah. don't know if this is the best thing for you. I might change my mind later. I might come back to church. I might never. And your dad is go is gonna <laughs> go to church, and that's fine. Like yeah. you can you can you make get your the own decision. To do it on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. I think going along with that idea of like how much I love my kids, that has been a really big part of me reframing my beliefs in terms of God and higher power. Because one of the things that's globally accepted with God is that he is like our father, right? He's like our our eternal, not eternal is more of the, the church teaching, but he is our 
almighty father. He's like the father of all of us, right? Yeah, or heavenly father. Heavenly father, yeah, right. is what they say a lot in the church. So one of the things that I've started thinking is, okay, because I'm a parent, one of the best things I've done is is gone, if I was a parent parenting my child and I sent my child off somewhere and I said, you, you can come back to me at the end of, like, let's say I send you to France for six weeks and at the end you get to come back. Mirroring that with this concept of God sending us to earth and to return to him, it it makes me go, there is no way in hell I would give my kids these list of requirements to come back home from six mm. weeks. There's no way I'd be like, you have to go to the temple this many times a week. You have to accept this into your life. Like, mm-hmm. you can't do this. If you don't, um, if you drink coffee, I'm not going to let you, like, back in. And so yeah. that's where a lot of my reframing has come in because as a mom who loves my kid i'm like if it's a dad who loves me then there is no way in hell that there's going to be that many hoops that 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 i that i have to jump through to get back to my father um which has come back with the concept of grace which is still really confusing to me but in in the book this lady so basically her son leaves the church while he's on his mission comes home and he's he's developed a belief in biblical Christianity, which is basically Bible-based. Whatever mm. Jesus says is right. what is the gospel. And so um, it's it's this concept of if you accept Jesus into your heart, then you're saved and you get to be with Jesus again, which is really like we yeah. talked about earlier. You're like, well, what if you like, you don't have to do anything. You just have to be like, yeah, I, I accept Jesus. I love Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is my whatever. I mean, I, I kind of, I understand what you're saying. The way, because I don't have any kids, yeah. the way that I've framed that and, and I guess compared myself to God <laughs> is like... <laughs> it's okay to compare yourself to God, Yeah, by the way. like his behavior, I suppose, yeah. or what I understand about him, her, it, it the concept of God. Yeah. He's setting his own personal boundaries, right. whether it and it does, doesn't matter if it if you're his child or whatever. Like, I mean, I guess we are all of his children, depending but, on which belief system you believe. Yeah. In, so yeah. comparing myself to him, I'm like, okay, if I take that concept and I apply it to my life, I I do want to have standards yeah. for how to be treated and how mm-hmm. people can act when they're in my house or yeah. around me in my life. And if somebody is disrespecting me, disrespecting my house. I don't want them in my house. And I, it's different with kids. But if my kid grows up and they're a piece of shit and I don't agree with their life and their behavior and I don't I don't want that toxicity around me. Yeah. And so that's kind of how I have right. framed that the way the reasons why he does what he does and yeah. meaning God. Yeah. And uh, have like applied that to my life. Yeah. Because it helps me to have standards. Yeah. And for sure. Which is basically what religion does is it answers that question of like, okay, we need something. We need some foundation to go off of in order to like continue this growth. So what are we going to do? And so every, they all have different standards. My thing is, is like, it's so close-minded and narrow-minded to look at the world through one religious lens because mm-hmm. we are all so fucking different mm-hmm. like you go to hawaii and the vibe there is completely different i'm mm-hmm. like there's no way that these people are not getting into heaven like it's yeah, just yeah. not it's not gonna happen <laughs> or like you go into like the middle of nowhere africa where they like believe in like sacrificing cows or whatever like this we are so do they still do that there i don't know <laughs> i might have just cultural appropriation <laughs> just kidding it's fine now I got to take a drink, get that off me. Yeah. 
I, I, yeah, this this whole idea that there is one I don't path to happiness, or I don't that, believe it at all, or that the church has a monopoly monopoly on truth. Yeah, I don't believe it at all. I don't either. I do believe in. Um, I believe more in this concept of human connection, and I think the church plays really well on that because, like, I mean, I've felt the spirit in testimony meeting, but I don't think it's actually from the source that they're saying. I think it's really more deep-rooted human connection because I feel that same way when somebody gives me a free Diet Coke and mm-hmm. they're not talking about Jesus' yeah, sacrifice. Like, I feel the spirit yeah. in this Coke. Yeah, and I feel more, like, I feel the spirit more when I listen to, like, Christian rock bands than I do, like, with Mormon Tabernacle Choir. So I, I, I just don't think that they've cornered yeah. cornered the market. Um, and it's, it's really hard to go to... I don't want to call it losing my religion because it's kind of like breaking free because of having to re redefine everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't like it. It's really uncomfortable. And so it would be easier just to be like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to keep going. But there's, I believe so passionately that it's not mm-hmm. true and it doesn't meet my needs. It, it's so much. <laughs> yeah. That's a big <laughs> statement you just said. I know it's, yeah. I mean, I, I think the same thing. I, I don't know. I had a thought, but I kind of lost it. I don't think that the church is true either. I think that there is like... Does that feel good to say though? It does. I mean, mm-hmm. I i don't know if I've ever said it like on the podcast. I mean, it's pretty well <laughs> yeah. known yeah, yeah. that I don't think that, but yeah, I... I think it contains... It contains pieces and I say that lightly because I don't, I don't think that they're even presented in the right way. Um, but obviously it's led, I mean, you and I were born and raised in it and we're now who we are and we can't deny that the church had some piece of that. But at the same time, I just, it's one of those things where the bad is so bad and heavy that it kind of outweighs everything else. Yeah. It's a lot. It's hard to walk away from something that gives you so much that there is a lot of positivity that it's taught you everything that mm-hmm. you're you're comfortable in to step away from that because of uh you disagree with something or you feel like it's not the truth. Yeah. It's difficult and a lot of people don't walk away even though they don't feel like it's true. I think that there are a lot of people out there, active members of the mm-hmm. Mormon church that go even though they don't think that it's true. Yeah. They I just go totally because agree. it's what they know, it's comfortable, and it has some forms of goodness. Yeah. Just like any religion. Yeah. But in this at the same time though, that there's been so much awful things in the world that have happened yeah. in the name of religion or because yeah. of yep. religion. The and I suppose you could say <laughs> yeah. I suppose you could say that about a lot of things. Yeah. But I mean we're talking about religion. So yeah. just call it what it is. Yeah. So are you, um, I think you've said before that you, you're not really associating with any religion. Are you, um, do you have a relationship with God or are you in the phase where you're just like, you know what I'm doing me, Ammon right now. I'm my own God. Yeah. Uh, I'd say more the, the latter. Okay. For the first few months, maybe a year after I was transitioning, trying to figure out like, because I, I framed it as I was taking a break yeah. from the church to yeah. get a better perspective. I was really asking myself a lot of questions like, what do I want to do? Yeah. What do I believe? Yeah. And so I would say I kept up my like prayer 
and I would still listen to conference talks. I would still, you know, I, I didn't like read scripture. Actually, I did for a little while. I still like read the scriptures. Have and you things. ever read the Book of Mormon all the way through? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I read like some of the Old Testament. I read all the New Testament. I'm currently reading the um, NIV version of the New Testament. I've never read a different That's version. It's way better. Uh, yeah, way better. It's easier to understand. It's easier to understand. And the version that I'm reading has everything that Jesus said highlighted in red. And it's really fascinating. Yeah. I've never read anything but the KJV until recently. I bought one. Yeah, I'm like, same. you can buy Bibles on Amazon. Cool. <laughs> I want to figure out what's going on here. But I, and my, de- my definition of a relationship is somebody that you talk to and connect with yeah and in the traditional sense of a relationship with god i don't think that i have one Hmm. okay because i don't pray anymore do you ever have feelings of like missing that oh yeah 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 i miss the i mean people will take this the wrong way but i miss the ease Mm -hmm. of being in the church yeah having answers yeah just for me yeah i miss the uh i miss going to church like the connection you get with people the Mm -hmm. the community yeah i miss that um have you been to any other churches since you left no no Hmm. no i have no desire yeah no desire for religion in my life at all because are you jaded or you just think that it's not gonna do anything for you and you don't need it like why why um the only thing that I would want from it are the things that I've said that I've missed, that I miss. Okay. So the connection. So do you think that there's churches out there that offer only those things? Um, probably. Okay. I'm just curious. But I just don't want to get wrapped up in a community that all think the same way. I like having connection with people that I choose. Yeah. Because we have different opinions or we have similarities. Yeah. And just religion is just so like, tainted and they have literature and there's just room for manipulation and yeah uh, mis misinterpretation yeah i just don't want to deal with all that yeah yeah have you looked into any um like eastern religions at all no like taoism buddhism hindu oh, uh, more the spiritual stuff um buddhism a little bit yeah okay yeah I think that that's because they don't really have like a religion, Mm-mm. really. Mm-mm. It's just like a a way of thinking. Yeah, it's so really, that's kind of intriguing yeah. to me. Eastern religions are absolutely fascinating. I, my my thing with churches, I am so social. I have to have a social outlet. So uh, churches are a good way to get that. But I'm also in the same boat where I don't want I don't want to be inundated with the heaviness and the expectation and the like yeah but also i acknowledge that part of that might be because i was raised in such a strict religion that implemented a lot of that and then it might exist not like that elsewhere but i have no idea right it's hard to find like, like yeah. something that like, feels yeah s- feels good feels similar something exactly. that you can think i find my social because i am i'm not an extrovert but i really enjoy yeah authentic human connection right whether that is with people or with nature or with a job yeah with devices like i'm a tech head so i love you know connecting with my lenses yeah (laughs) (laughs) but lately i feel like i have zero connection with myself Mm. i've just spent my life connecting with what god wants what other people want what are other people's expectations 
What does the photography industry expect of me? What does my client expect? So right now in my life, I'm spending a lot of time connecting with me. That's awesome. And so the idea of going into a religion Mm -hmm. feels way too scary. I feel like like I would just lose myself again. External, yeah. So maybe someday I might find something that works. Mm -hmm. But for now and for the foreseeable future, I'm just spending a lot of time connecting with me. That's awesome. Figuring out who I am. Do you think you're an empath? I've been told that I am. Yeah, I can get I get the empath vibe quite a bit, which makes sense that um, I my theory don't take this scientifically, but it's just from people that I've been around is that most of the people that are introverted are deep are deep empaths, which is a lot of a lot of the reason why they seek to remove themselves a lot is because every, their their whole life, the more they're around other people, the more they're absorbing yeah. and kind of, so that's kind of like that similar concept yeah. of like losing who you are as an individual, which religion and empath are not a great combo Yeah, because no. you'll totally get absorbed. I mean, I, I used to be, and I still kind of am, I, I share yeah. a lot about my life. Mm-hmm. Very, very open. Me too. Probably too much. I, <laughs> I don't, well... I don't know if that's possible. (laughs) Well, it's possible for me because I start to, if I share too much, especially if if it's on a topic that I'm not quite sure, haven't made up my mind Mm -hmm. on. Oh, I become really easily influenced by other people's opinion. Yeah, so you're an empath for sure, then. Yeah. So I've lately I've been keeping my thoughts and feelings a bit more close Uh and and quiet. Yeah. So that I am not influenced by other people. Mm. See, I'm I. Again, it's, it comes across as prideful, but I am sometimes overly confident in how I feel about things. And so I have the opposite where I need to talk to people so I can get a little bit more of a reality check. Mm-hmm. Not that I, I've already formed my opinion and I know how I feel, mm-hmm. but I'm like, ah, maybe I should, maybe I should just like, you know, level set with someone else yeah. just to make sure like, cause I've decided something and I'm like, okay, this is how it's going to be. And then I'm like, but there's a lot more, <laughs> there's yeah. a lot more out there. So I'm. I'm the opposite, which might go along with my extroversion or just who I am. I mean, I'm on the opposite end of that spectrum where I'm like (laughs) way too open minded. Yeah. And I'm like, I'll hear somebody's opinion. I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty good. Let me just <laughs> You're like, cool. adopt that as mine. <laughs> where I'm like, I have to read all the things. I have to, because I'll, I'll pick, I'll just jump on a belief. And then I'm like, I got to challenge the shit out of this because yeah. I know that my brain's just going to like, which is why I like read all those books and stuff, which I think it's interesting that the church is really big on, um, like, don't, if you're, read only LDS sources, like LDS.org or anything anything with the stamp of the church's approval on it mm-hmm. and don't read anything else because in my adventures of reading other things i'm like holy shit did you guys know that this was going there's on? a lot of there's stuff going lot. on <laughs> there's a lot of things there's a lot of really bad opinions oh, out there a there's a lot of really good opinions yeah and yeah. i just it's so overwhelming mm-hmm. that i'm just done yeah. with other people's opinions because yeah. If it doesn't work for me, I don't want it. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. It, it's just, I just don't want the opinions of, of a, like a, a small community of like-minded people. Yeah, I agree. I just want to have access to all the opinions and I want to pick and choose yeah. and develop my own. And I want to be a free thinker. Yeah. And I want to be able to change my opinion. Yeah. And... There's, that and, makes people angry. Yeah, it does. Like the most angry people about feelings about the church are people in the church, which are supposed to be the most yeah accepting. 
anyways, there's a big hypocrisy there. Something else I'm working on is this idea of being able to love myself. Yeah. Even though I'm not doing things that make other people happy. Oh, okay. So you love yourself even if it's not like external gratification. Yes. Okay. Because I, because of my empathic personality, Mm -hmm. I was always trying to do things and probably because of the church a little bit too. I was always doing things that would make other people feel good. Yeah. And if I wasn't doing things that provided that service for other people, I was not valuable. I didn't have value or worthy worthiness of love. You didn't feel that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so there's this whole conversation of toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. um, which I don't really like that term. But it's really abrasive. <laughs> yeah. It's this idea. Well, it's, I don't know. I, like I have to be, I take a lot of value and worth and, and feelings of I'm only value, wor- I'm only worthy of love if I'm providing Mm-hmm. something yeah for other people right and so now i'm focused on sometimes i need to just take a nap all mm-hmm. day mm-hmm. and just serve myself like wh- where when am i serving myself yeah and so right now i'm in this mindset of sometimes i need to just serve myself even mm-hmm. if it makes you angry yeah. or makes these other people feel let down yeah because I need this. And if I'm going to be the best version of myself and be able to give you uh, service, I can't show up for that unless I feel good. Yeah. So, and sometimes that means taking a two-week vacation to Mexico and not mm-hmm. responding to any of my clients. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it means calling off a photo shoot and just sitting around and playing games on my phone all day. Yeah. And if it feels good and if I need that, that's what, what I'm going to do, even if it makes other people mad. Where before, I wasn't able to do that because yeah. if it wasn't providing me with that external validation and reassurance, then... Then you'd kind of like spiral. And, I would spiral yeah. and feel like I wasn't worth so shit. I have a lot of the same issue with self-care. Like, I've always been really bad at doing that because I felt guilty. Like, I've always felt like, okay, if yeah. I go get an hour massage, that's an hour that I... I'm taking away from my kids. That's an hour that I'm taking away from like working on my house. That's an hour I'm taking away from my job. Like I've always felt guilt with self-care. Like I don't know why. I don't know where it branches from, but it just is is one of those things that I've been horrible at. So I was talking to my therapist about this when we were talking about the guilt. And um, it it's that same concept of you can't, like you just said, you can't show up for other people if you don't show up for yourself. It's like yeah. you're draining your own, like it's if you're a pitcher and you're just constantly draining your own, pitcher you're not gonna have enough to enough like fluid in your diet coke in my case pitcher (laughs) to fill everyone else's cup so you have to like fill your own before you can do anything else and I think just I've gotten better at it just like in the last probably like six months because I I mean I suffer from anxiety really bad like I get really really bad anxiety Mm -hmm. and it was one of those things where I just kind of like I was in the thralls a couple months ago of I don't know how I feel about the church. Um, I was transitioning to a new job, same company, but different job. And then I was going through all the court stuff. And so life was just really heavy in all aspects. And I was trying to do everything for everyone else. And I was just like, I couldn't do it anymore. I was, I was like, I, all I wanted to do is sleep. Like I just wanted to sleep just so I didn't have to be conscious. You will burn out. And then your cup of Diet Coke will start filling with resentment. Yeah. Yeah. And anger and 
abrasiveness and then yeah so it, it spirals quick. i had to learn how to take the steps to do self-care and just sit with the guilt just go i know i'm gonna fe- feel guilty just because that's what that's how i am but it's better to feel guilty and fill up my own pitcher mm-hmm. than not fill it up at all yeah. so i started getting a massage once a week like for an hour, a massage once a week for an hour. And the first month I almost canceled like 15 times. Yeah. I'm like, I, I specifically found a place that had a cancellation fee where if I didn't go, they were going to charge me money. Oh, for, nice. So I, I saw, I'm like, do you guys have a cancellation fee? No. Okay, bye. <laughs> do you yeah. guys have a cancellation? You do? Okay, I'm going to come see you. So I went to a place that specifically had That's a cancellation smart. fee because I knew with my Hold anxiety. To it. Yeah. That, and that was something like I value. I don't, Again, I don't pay for things I don't if I don't have fee. to. Yeah, I don't want to have to pay a fee. So I'm just going to show up. So for the first month, it was hell. Every time I would get a massage, I was just like, I was ruminating in these like, oh my gosh, like got to pick up the kids. Like what if like I could be doing this, I could be doing that. And it, I felt guilty as shit. But after a month, I it got to the point where I was actually that guilt was exchanged for excitement because I made a really deep connection with the massage therapist. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Paulina. You're the best. love her and so I was excited to go spend time with her and then it changed my whole perspective because I was like this is actually when I'm coming out on the other side doing this is making me feel a lot better so you're probably able to show up for your daily responsibilities and for your kids exactly way better proficiently yeah and so it the hardest part for me was I for some reason I felt like guilt was so bad that if I had the feeling of guilt it meant I shouldn't be doing it Mm. But it was the opposite. If it had the feeling of guilt, but I know it was something that I should be doing, then just le- just feel guilty. Like it's okay to feel guilty. It it might not go away. It might. It, in my case, for the massages, it did, and I've done some other steps to like do that a little bit better. But I think that's one thing that, in terms of feelings, is hard because lots of times in the church, it's like they're like, if you're not feeling the Holy Ghost, then it's probably something bad. Mm-hmm. When in reality, you need to sit with your feelings. You Even if they're bad feelings, it's part of who you are and you're feeling that feeling for a reason mm-hmm. and just let it be. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's been really interesting. So I can definitely yeah. resonate with the self-care. self-care. It's so weird and I love it now. It's important. Yeah. And guilt might be the first thing you feel, but it'll shift over time. Yeah. And then you'll start to... I don't to feel f- guilty at all anymore. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Like, you okay, shouldn't. Massage, right? And there's <clears throat> a balance there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, I'm not like swearing off my children going out yeah. like drinking every night yeah. or anything like that. Like, bye. And you have to... I mean, it's so common. Yeah. Especially with moms. Oh, yeah. They're like, I am a slave to my children mm-hmm. for the next 18 years. Yeah. And if they never take time for themselves you're gonna create horrible little monsters you're gonna start yeah you're gonna create monsters you're gonna start resenting your kids probably your husband your husband you're not gonna be able to show up for yourself or your kids yeah and then being able to just sit and enjoy a margarita on the beach is gonna be impossible for you Mm -hmm. um and that's not good no it's not if you take a vacation once every 10 years and that's the only self-care you do that vacation is gonna be shitty because you're gonna be like the ruminating is what kills me because that's yeah. a lot of my anxiety stuff. But yeah, it's I was horrible at self-care. I still could get better at it until about six months ago because it just, yeah. I, I didn't want to sit with the feeling of guilt. I'm like, if it's guilt, it's bad. And I'm like, is it really that bad that once yeah. a week for an hour I can go get a massage? No. Yeah. My really anxiety, I've, I've struggled with anxiety a lot the past year. Yeah. And mine has been more 
chemical, mm-hmm. <laughs> which it's like it's not attached to anything. Yeah. Not attached to any behavior or thought process. It just comes out of nowhere. There's nothing I can do. And yeah. that's, it was terrifying. I felt like I was losing my mind. Yeah. And I think it was because of my Adderall, mm. like just taking too much. Yeah. Because I'm like new to it. I'm new to the diagnosis of ADHD. I'm trying to figure out what's the proper dose. I didn't have the right education yeah. um, or so the right amount of education. What does Adderall do like in your brain? Uh, to me personally? No, like chemically, what is it doing? Um, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but I think that it increases the availability of dopamine. Oh, okay, which is so the opposite for, of serotonin. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's like, it's kind of like the cousin of serotonin. Right. Like, dopamine is this happy chemical that makes you feel it's like the reward yeah you eat candy you feel dopamine right you have sex you get this rush rush of dopamine yeah serotonin is what you get when you connect with somebody and you feel that empathy it's like the love chemical yeah um so people with adhd have a deficiency of dopamine Hmm. which is not available and it's maybe a, a chemical imbalance of dopamine yeah and so Adderall just makes that chemical more available, mm. uh, which helps you to focus because right. you're people with ADHD. The reason that they're so hyper is because they're seeking external reward for, yeah, to so they get more are, dopamine. Yeah. You know, m- me, I don't really have the hyper version. I'm more of just like, I'll just check out and I get really distracted by things that are interesting yeah so i'll hyper focus on a on a subject or an activity that's really exciting for me because i'm getting that rush of dopamine right so with the pill you take it it gives you that and then you can focus on stuff that maybe isn't as exciting because you have the dopamine flow so i can do my admin spreadsheets i can do the dishes and it feels like exciting it's exciting to me (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it's really easy to get addicted Hmm. to yeah no kidding because it's dopamine. Right. And yeah. then your your tolerance goes up. And so you start taking more, mm-hmm. which you're not supposed to. And that wasn't really happening for me. But I think I was just taking too much to begin with. Yeah. Which then doesn't that also... Okay, so uh, if ADHD is dopamine deficiency, anxiety is more of a serotonin. Well, I think that people... There can be a chemical... Because that's what I have. I have insufficient amount of serotonin which is why i have anxiety Mm. i don't love people enough or something yeah (laughs) i I mean the the my anxiety would come when i was coming down off of okay adderall okay and i would start i would feel just like really really irritable Uh. and then start to feel anxiety and so then i just cut my dose by a third like i started taking a third of what i was taking and that like instantly got rid of it oh wow Okay, so it was probably the come off then that was ugh. Probably anxiety's horrible. I so. yeah. We uh so there's this really interesting obviously I've had diabetes since I was almost two. Yeah. Um there's this really interesting connection between um having type one diabetes diagnosed really young and anxiety because mm. my entire life I've grown up like, um, if you eat a cupcake you might die. 
like that might cause some anxiety, <laughs> anxiety in normal people. So um, I've actually been doing these studies with OHSU. They have a psychiatrist that specializes in instances of anxiety in type 1 diabetics, which is really fascinating. Oh, wow. So About, niche. Yeah, it's very, very You're like, that's exactly what I need. <laughs> I'm like, oh I need God. that. Well, the funny thing is, is like the first time that I met with this guy like a year ago, he's like, well, you definitely got more going on than type 1 diabetes. So this is going to be interesting to single that out as your only problem. I'm like, what? I have more problems that might cause anxiety? No. <laughs> <laughs> like what yeah <laughs> it's so crazy it's just it like when we talk about stuff like this and like how uh this is kind of why i still believe in god or some higher power is because the intricacies of humans and mm-hmm. how different we are but how like your needs are very specific to you and mine are very specific to me they're like has to, it can't be an accident Right. Like just in, I cannot physically comprehend that being an accident and whether it was like one God that did it or like a bunch of people or the universe, which I really am a big believer in universe and mother earth connection. It's the weird hippie side of me, mm-hmm. but I think that's a segue with God. It's just like, there's no way that I can be like, that's not, that doesn't exist in my life, yeah. but I'm going to define how it exists in my life instead of somebody else. So I, I haven't switched to a different religion, obviously still taking the kids, but I kind of want to because of the social side, I, but it's really confusing. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to go through the same thing again where I get pulled into something. They're like, Oh, you get baptized. And then I'm like, I don't want to yeah. do this. <laughs> I think you might be surprised if you let go and I'm not telling you to let go of the church or stop going. Yeah. But I think that you'd be surprised at the community that you would find yeah. Or that you would at least be motivated to find because you're not going to church anymore. Yeah. And it would be people that you align with a little bit better, mm-hmm. people that challenge you, people yeah. that think differently than you. <laughs> These freaking cats. <laughs> they love each other, but they fight. <laughs> um, because I... It's like Clark and I sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Fighting naked. Yeah, pretty much. That's how you're supposed to fight naked. Yeah. It's distracting in a good way. But when I left the church, I started associating with different types of people. Yeah. And uh, it was people that I never re- really would have before because mm-hmm. they just didn't align with my standards. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I like I developed a new love for different types of hobbies, hmm. like rock climbing. That's awesome. I, and I started to I found myself better able to communicate with different types of people mm-hmm. because I just had this. Uh, curiosity for them and and why they believe they do yeah and why, like, why they believe the way why? they do <laughs> yeah. yeah and what their opinion of mormonism was what their pers- pers- uh, perception of it was mm-hmm. and we'd have these conversations about religion and spirituality and i'd find that they had their own way to connect with spirituality mm-hmm. and their own love for and they're just like normal good people that's awesome and it was refreshing to be able to open my mind and have compassion for these types of people that's the thing that like lights my soul on fire just seeking that out and finding that kind of connection with people that's why i do it with random people at drive-thrus yeah i'm just like give me like i just that's the the thing i crave is that human connection because i just i don't know i love people and i love connecting with people it's you probably get that serotonin that you're deficient in when you're connecting with people so much serotonin (laughs) and there's like there's drugs that you can take yeah. for that, like uh, SSRIs. I have something for my anxiety, but I don't take it that often because it gives me headaches. I forgot what it's called. But it's not a, it's a prescribed drug. I can't remember. There's a lot of side effects to all these drugs. Like, I mean, for me, for Adderall, it's oh, yeah. anxiety. Yeah. And um, I'm actually 
considering I'm going to talk to my doctor and see if I can start weaning myself off Mm -hmm. of the Adderall because I don't want to rely on a, on a pill in order to get what I need. I think there are behavioral techniques that you can do, uh, to, yeah, just like to get that thing that you're deficient in. So is the therapist that you have somebody that can work with someone with ADHD or ADD or whatever? Um, I think... I don't know if he specializes in it, yeah. but it's better than nothing. Oh, yeah, I completely Like, I agree. just had a doctor who I was talking to, and yeah. he's busy. Mm-hmm. And That's he, the he same can't, thing. He, can't, he doesn't have time to, like, yeah. educate me. And it's my responsibility to, like, seek out somebody who can, who, who maybe specializes in it or who, who can yeah. specialize in me Yeah. to be able to help me figure out and navigate this really, really difficult, messy world of, of yeah. mental illness and medications and behavior. And Have you ever seen a psychiatrist? No. Okay. So psychiatrists are the happy medium, not happy medium, but they're the medium between like medical doctors and therapists, like mental health therapists, Mm -hmm. because that's what they do. They look at you and Mm -hmm. they go, okay, let's look at you as a whole person medically. Then let's look at your mental illness. Then let's talk about why you are where you are and then where you want to be. And if you get a good psychiatrist, they're really good at doing that. That They're really doing really helpful for me. Yeah. They're really good at doing like step down. If you find the right one, Asante has a great psychiatrist. If you, Asante. Oh, yeah. Okay. Over, over wherever. Yeah, yeah. Do you have insurance yet? No. It hurts my core a little bit. Okay. It hurts my core. I have to live this way. <laughs> I'm like, it probably hurts your wallet more than anything. Yeah. So they'll do like a step down where if you're like, I want to get off this medication, they'll like, okay, let's step this down. But in the meantime, let's replace it with this kind of therapy or let's replace it with this kind of more holistic whatever where they can make sure that you're not, you're, it's actually your end result is where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, I've met with a psychiatrist a couple of different times in my life and lots of times they're like really helpful. I think specifically if you're trying to like reduce the amount of medication that mm. you take for any type of mental illness. I have like this stuff for my anxiety that I got my whole family on. I was like, you get something, you get something, you, oh you call God. your doctor, you get, cause we all have anxiety. <laughs> so we're all on the same. We could be poster child for it, but I've started taking less of it. Um, like on my own, which I don't recommend. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's working for me kind of, but then I still get these like crazy panic attacks and weird triggers or whatever. But a psychiatrist is definitely helpful for doing that. And then yeah. doing that in combination with therapy, I, everybody needs therapy. Everybody needs to go to therapy. Yeah. I'm a pretty big advocate. I love it. It's the best. It's just such personalized help. Yeah. And it's so nice having a neutral party that you can be like, and then yeah. they, they like have some educated thoughts about it where they're like, here, try these things. Or I started crying in my last Ooh, I um, cry every time. therapy session and my, and I was like holding back a little bit uh-huh. and he's like, Hey, are you getting emotional right now? Like, are you holding back? I was like, yeah. He's like, you don't have to do that. You know, like I've seen tears before. I'm like you're the fucking best. <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> and I, I fired my first therapist like on day one. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, I wanted a man. Yeah. Because I've mostly, actually, I've had a pretty balanced mix of men and women as therapists. Yeah. But I've only ever done couples therapy. Yeah. Oh, so this is and your first bout of like individual? Yeah. <gasps> I'm so yeah, my first bout of individual therapy. And I was like, I want a man. Yeah. Like, sorry. So I, do I. <laughs> I just wanted to have a man that I could cry to. I want like male connection. Yeah. And it's and, important to establish those in a healthy way, too. That's somebody that's yeah. not your family that mm-hmm. you can connect with. That's awesome. So I fired my first therapist 
because it was a woman, not because it was a woman, but you because, can say it's because it was a woman. It was it a woman and her schedule was just not really lining up with mine. So I just, you know, said, I don't want this one. And I, and it, then it let me pick yeah. on better help. You can pick. Mm-hmm. So I went through and I found, I mean, I was open to a woman, you know, if I found the right one, Yeah. but I was kind of leaning towards having a man and I found one and I was like, whatever, just going to try it for a month. And it's been awesome. Like he just lets me be. Yeah. And he's like, it's okay where you are. Yeah. And he tells me every time he's like, I'm just happy that you're alive. Yeah. That you're, that you're here. Yeah. I'm like, hell yeah, dude. Like I, I am, I'm here. Like I'm trying. Yeah. And I've made progress and I tell him everything. Yeah. He doesn't know me. Yeah. And I love that. I yeah. love that he has no room to really judge me. Yeah. He's like, are you using humor right now to like downplay your trauma or have you worked through it? I'm like, Bro, probably both (laughs) like way to call me on that he's like if you don't mind i'm gonna call you out actually i'm gonna call you out whether you mind or not i'm just gonna call you out and if you're using humor to cope with this that's fine yeah you can do that that we can find healthy ways to cope and if humor is your way of coping right now that's great totally fine i'm gonna teach you other techniques i'm gonna help you find other solutions besides seeking external validation seeking pity Mm -hmm. i'm gonna teach you solutions to like uh cope with your trauma besides humor Mm -hmm. because humor if if you're using humor to cope with your uh uh to like cover up your trauma that's making a mockery out of humor Um, i'm like dude no i I love humor i'm not mocking it i'm sorry i really like laughing if that's the case oh i don't know if i should become a comedian because all of it's yeah it's just all coping (laughs) with trauma oh my gosh the thing that i love about therapy is it's the if you find the right therapist, which everybody should, if you if you've gone to therapy and you didn't like your therapist, that's the therapist problem, not yours. There's somebody yeah. for there out there for everyone. Mm-hmm. The thing that I love is they like literally 100 percent define meeting you where you are. If you find yeah. the right person, they totally meet you where you are. Yeah, it's I like the it. it's it's the best. I love therapy so much. It makes it so I don't have to seek reassurance from Taylor or validation from my family. Right. Which I, are, they're going to be, they can't be removed from the situation because they yeah. love you. So it's... There's emotions yeah, there. Yeah. So with a therapist, there is none. Yeah. And he's just, he's harsh when he needs to be. He's reassuring when I need that. Yeah. And I, I feel like I'm in control yeah. of the pace. Yeah. Oh, so, I'm proud of you. Thanks. Not I'm that you needed that validation. <laughs> no, it's nice go. though. I, I really so like it. It's That's been... Awesome. You should get better help to sponsor the pod. Yeah. I don't, I don't really care. I, it would be nice, but I know that's amazing. I, I also like that you can text. Have you done that yet? Mm -hmm. Okay. So anytime I have, um, like a spiraling moment, I'll send my therapist and I'll be like, I am not, I I usually say today's a 10 diet Coke day or something like that. Cause my therapist knows and she'll be like, okay, well what's going on? Let's talk through it. Like, and I love that there's that instant where if otherwise I'd be tempted to like text my husband and not that i can't text my husband but if it's like i'm pissed at him for something i don't want to text him and be like i'm anxious because i don't want to burden my loved ones i don't want to <laughs> yeah. burden my friends yeah. i want to burden my therapist <laughs> yeah. who gets paid to who take gets the burden? paid to be a burden <laughs> yeah. like to i can be a burden to this person it's their job yeah and it's even better if you find a therapist that likes being mm-hmm. a therapist yeah and there's therapists for literally everything like yeah. i didn't know that there were religious trauma therapists i didn't know that was a thing like w- there's a whole sector for that yeah this person's studying and so it's more than just like anxiety depression they have like 
uh, therapists, like if you've experienced child loss, they have yeah. therapists for like any kind of thing that has yeah. any kind of trauma, like school bus. I swear there's yeah. <laughs> like any trauma I in your life. I put in my preference for what I was looking for in a therapist, I put man, non-religious. Perfect. That's all I put. <laughs> and then they match you with one or you can find one yeah. on your own. And so, yeah, me and my therapist sometimes will just like sit there and shit on religion together. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's so, amazing. Yeah, it's cool. That's awesome. I like my therapist is religious, but doesn't belong to a specific religion, which I don't know how she's doing whatever. That's seminary. She's in seminary is what it's oh. called, which is different than Mormon seminary. Yeah. But the reason why she's in seminary is so that she can connect with people that are in grained and have mental issues within religion mm. which is interesting i'm like wow she's really dedicated oh yeah she's very very dedicated and mm. i didn't even pick her for that i picked her for some some one of the modalities that she does yeah so i was like oh this is exciting yeah <laughs> maybe this is divine intervention <laughs> maybe i just wanted to try individual therapy because i feel like it'll if i can start with me because i've only ever done couples therapy or mm-hmm. mostly so if I can start, if I can just put that aside or on hold for now and just focus on me, uh, it'll like stem and branch out into the other areas yeah, of my life. A hundred percent. It's and, like we were talking about with the pitcher Diet Coke or coffee mm-hmm. or whatever. You got to fill your own before you can go anywhere else. And I think therapy is a amazing way to do that. I love that it's all about me too. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't have to worry about And that's the expectation. Like it's yeah. the best. Like my therapist a couple times I've been like, oh yeah. She's like, well let's talk about your husband but let's talk about you and your relationship with your husband. I don't care what your husband's gone through. I mean I care if it affects you but all I want to hear about is how you feel and I'm like, yeah. oh, welcome to the Cheyenne show. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's the best. I love it. Yeah. It's <laughs> therapy. Uh, yeah. The only, my only issue is there's certain things where I think I would like to have somebody that used to be LDS mm-hmm. because then I feel like there's things that I could like, just like, well, get out more. Yeah. It could be more relatable. Yeah. But maybe it's good that it's not because I kind of am looking for that outside. Yeah. I mean, I had a life coach for like three years and he was. What does a life coach do? So the way that it was explained to me is that. Life coaching is more forward-looking. Okay, forward-focused, yeah. Yeah, forward-focused. And therapy is more your past. Like you're looking back at the things you've been through. Okay. And you're like reframing how you see those things, reframing how you feel about them. Okay. So like I mentioned before, next week I'm doing EMDR with my therapist. Right. And he's going to like, he's going to have his finger on my... so I can see his, it's like a video call. Right. So he's going to put his finger on the screen and like he'll have me follow his finger. Mm. And he's going to ask me questions like specific, deep, detailed questions about my trauma, which I'm fucking terrified. I would be too. He was like, do you want to focus on your self-esteem or your trauma? I'm like, I want to focus on my self-esteem. He's, he's like, like, well, which one scares you more? I'm like trauma. It's like, Obviously. That's the one we need to focus on. I don't know if I can handle doing like, that. Fuck. So we're going to just, oh, I'm just, he's going to ask me questions about my trauma, have you follow his finger until... I stop crying basically so that I can just view it from an outside perspective. Like it's on a train moving by and I just am not so emotionally reactive to the things that I've been through. So it's fucking work. Like I did it yesterday in the middle of the day. I had a meeting in the morning and then I had lunch and another meeting. Yeah. 
And then I sat in my car on the on a street in the shade and did therapy. Yeah, that's what I do. And he was like, well, because I wanted to do EMDR yesterday. But he's mm-hmm. like, maybe you should be in a more private place without these distractions because there's people walking by. And I'm like looking <laughs> at my rearview mirror like, oh, I'm just on therapy call. You're just like bawling your eyes out. And there's yeah. this guy with a finger in front of you. You're like, yeah. I promise I'm okay. So Don't he's like, let's cops. do it next time. But then I got emotional during the session because he was asking me like history. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of my day, dude, I was just exhausted. Uh-huh. I had to go shoot pictures for a client. And then I came home and I was just like on the couch. Yeah. I was going to make steak. Didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Had no energy to do anything else. Yeah. Because it just takes a lot out it's of you. so draining. It feels like an emotional workout. Yeah. it Because uh, it literally is. It's... Uh, so do are you a crier or not usually? Yes. You are? Okay. So am I. I'm a big crier. Yeah. So there's something different about... Um, crying because of these emotions that you're bringing up and just like normal crying it's so much more draining and i I can like physically feel my brain like heavy Mm -hmm. (laughs) usually if i have to do one of those things because i had the same experience like two weeks ago with my therapist it was new so she's like so let's explore this part like this thing in your life and i'm like i don't really want to she's like we kind of need to and i'm like okay so i started getting into it and it was really emotional for me and afterwards i'm like my brain physically feels heavy from like the tears and the crying and mm-hmm. i don't i don't like this yeah <laughs> but then the next day you're it's kind not of fun for me the next day i was kind of like it felt good to get that out you feel though, lighter even though it was really heavy yeah you feel lighter to, the next yeah, day yeah but in the moment, it, it feels like a workout, just like going to the gym. Yeah. You're yeah. exercising your muscles. Like physically feels that way. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not like excited. No. But I need to do it. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I, I want to get all this shit into a different perspective. I want to be just lighter. I want to be able to show up for my life without baggage Dude, I'm and so proud projections. Of you. Good job. Thank you. You're welcome because it's fucking hard. Yeah. It <laughs> when is hard. The, the moment that you realize, oh, I need to work on myself, it's a lot. It's easier yeah. to not do that. I mean, it's easier in terms of like, it's a lot less, just like working out where you're like, oh, I need to get into shape. It's easier to not get into shape, even though it's not good for you. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with mental stuff. It's hard. Yeah. I'm proud of you. It's a lot awesome. of it is like just cliche bullshit. Sometimes I have this filter that I'm like, oh, God, I'm just like yeah. constantly working on myself. I'm doing this fucking EMDR thing and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. And I just get tired of working on myself and I just want to like be, mm-hmm. and I don't want to set goals. I don't want to write my journal. I like either. I just, I don't like any of that, but I, I'm doing it. I'm going through the steps and, but it's because I have to live in this brain. Mm -hmm. I have to live in this body. And if I'm not like spending time and investing in, in being, and like this vessel being like a better, happier place, then what's the fucking point? There isn't one. I'm just going to be putting it all on other people. Yeah. And uh, I mean, maybe other people put it on me at one point, and that's why I have all this trauma mm-hmm. and trust issues and whatever else. But it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. And I don't want to just continue passing it on to other people. Yeah. It's my responsibility to work through it, and my responsibility responsibility to heal. Yeah. And I mean, period. Hmm. So I'm just fucking doing it even though i'm so proud of you i'm like over here like air hug like good job ammon (laughs) yeah it makes me less mad about the church it makes me less yeah i i don't blame shift i'm just like what can i control yeah and what what are the actions that i can do i'm totally gonna make 
I love you. My husband listened to this. <laughs> yeah. He and I, so I'm, I, my thing is, is it's a waste of my energy to like, first of all, I'm so fucking proud of you. Just looking at you, I'm like, look yeah. at Ammon. <laughs> I think it's just Thanks. even like the course of how many podcasts we've done. I can see like this big shift. When yeah. was our first one? A couple years ago. Like Anyways. A year ago. It was? About. Oh yeah. Cause it was right before I moved, I think. Good job in a year. So I, I don't, I don't have any anger or resentment really towards the church. Like I'm annoyed with certain things and I'm annoyed with myself for letting it go on for so long, but I'm not sitting here. I mean, obviously like the guilt, I blame the church for that, but I'm not blame. It's still my own feeling. So I, I've kind of disconnected from that because I'm like, okay, whatever. That was something I was raised in and now moving forward, like I need to become my own person and it's more complicated, but I'm not doing like the blaming thing. And I think, um, because my issues with the church more had to do with like connection and all these check boxes that you had to do to get to heaven. And I just yeah. don't believe in any of that shit. My husband, and I'm not going to speak too much for him, but a lot of his stuff started with history of the church and like, um, like black skidding the priesthood and polygamy and mm-hmm. Joseph Smith and all that. So his, his unraveling kind of started with the history being really horrible. Everybody's got their catalyst. Yeah, exactly. And so I think because my catalyst was different than his, his reaction and feelings towards the church are also different than mine. Mm -hmm. And so it's really interesting to be with someone like, because we're navigating it through it together, but from two completely different approaches. Yeah. And I think your descriptions like of how you've, you've decided the best thing you can do is make yourself better to figure out how you actually feel about things and to like break the cycle of shifting the blame mm-hmm. is beautiful because I think it's really easy to fall back on that. Like I've been a part of this church for my entire life. It's defined everything. I married someone, an active member of this church in the temple and they beat the shit out of me and I could totally blame the fact that I was a member of the church on that. Mm-hmm. And that's the easy cop out. But in reality, it's like if you turn it back in and look at yourself, then that's how you're going to break the cycle because one you're going to be able to go yeah that there was the church but i was also the one that made that decision like no one had a gun to my head why did i allow that to happen and breaking that down and then going through all those things so that you can live a better happier more full life which is really what we all want that's Mm -hmm. amazing yeah i'm so proud of you and i'm i'm working on that too it's just i'm still in the phase of like i i can work on myself i can go to therapy i can get better but i don't know how i fucking feel about a lot of things yeah (laughs) I mean, at first, at first I was like, I felt like I needed to figure out, figure it out all right away. Yeah. And I felt this like, I did that. I made a list. I literally wrote down a piece of paper, a list of all of like the core beliefs. I'm like, God, Jesus, coffee, alcohol, sacrament. Yeah. Like literally everything that I could think of that the church has given me a belief in Mm -hmm. and then went, how do I really feel? And I was like, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, I feel. That's wild. It was not a good idea. I, in the past few months, I've just recognized that I need to slow down. Yeah. That it took me 30 years to get to this point. It might take 30 years to get where I want to be. Yeah. And I don't always really know where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just is that respecting s- the slow process. Is it scary not knowing? yeah for you okay good if you were like no it's not scary i'd be like what are you fucking on and how do i get yeah no it's it's terrifying terrifying. but it's also like i didn't know before like i didn't really know like you say that you know the church is true you say you know you're gonna live with your family forever but nobody really knows Mm -hmm. what happens when we die and so i just i'm like 
that's all right. It's okay that I don't know. And just telling myself it's all right that I am never going to know that until I die. Yeah. It's okay that I don't know how I feel about X, Y, and Z right now. And I feel like if I rush that process, it's just going to, the cycle will start over. So, so I just take my time with answering those questions and I, and I allow myself to have an experience uh, with whatever that topic is and then decide. Hmm. And then if there's another topic that isn't really at my front door yet, I'm like, it's all right. I don't need to seek out an experience with that thing in order to develop an opinion of it right now. Yeah. I just have the opinions that I do and they're always shifting and changing. And then when the, I mean, sometimes it's a little scary because like with like drugs, Mm -hmm. because before I just knew my answer will be no always. Mm -hmm. But now Mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know, maybe I will try this drug. And if I don't have the answer, maybe I might be pressured into it, especially being empathic. Yeah. Because it seems cool. Like people on this, people doing cocaine, it looks like they're super happy. Mm -hmm. And so maybe I'm going to want to do it. Uh, So that's a little scary because I might try something that I will regret and it will actually do some damage. Mm -hmm. So I do still have to have like structure and standards. Yeah. And sometimes I do look to the church for certain of those standards and structure. Mm Um. But I allow myself to just make a mistake yeah. sometimes. And not saying that I've done cocaine, but I allow myself to... <laughs> I was like, are we to... getting another admission? Just no. <laughs> I just allow myself to... Um, it's okay for me to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And if uh, if I need to make an adjustment, I know that I have the skills to do that. So that, what you just explained, is the concept of grace I'm learning. Yeah. Which exactly. is crazy. Give yourself some grace yeah, to make a mistake. Grace. Yeah. And it's, it's okay. I'm so lucky that I have a partner who allows me to like make mistakes. That's awesome. And allow me to just be myself. Yeah. Yeah. So am I. I'm really, I'm so lucky with Clark. Like one, we're both kind of going through this journey together and we get to, we get to have conversations like, okay, well, how do we want to do this? Like we have kids and, and there's a lot of conversations there and he and I have, are in different places. Like I'm more open to the concept of God and um, into reading the Bible and he's more, not sure how he feels about that, but he lets me be in my space and I let him be in his space, which is really incredible. I think the thing, speaking of crying, I think the thing that's terrifying for me is, which I don't know how you do it. And like, if you have like a cheat code or something, (laughs) you have to tell me because I've had all the answers my whole life. Um, I think I have control issues in the space of not knowing because of probably because I felt like I've known my whole life. And so it's absolutely terrifying for me to try to figure out how I feel when I don't I I don't even know how to go about like figuring out how I feel like so obviously with like the word of wisdom you can just go try it and then see like I I assess physically like alcohol is not going to keep me out of heaven I'm sorry it's too good Jesus drank wine and like it's it's Mm -hmm. just not so there's the little things but then like the 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 bigger things are where I'm just like it's terrifying to me and I don't know how to, I don't even know how to let go of being okay with not knowing how I feel mm-hmm. because I feel like I have to feel a way. And I think yeah. part of that is external pressure because I have kids yeah. and then also because like I'm a child of somebody and all those kinds of things, but it is, 
the scariest thing. And then that's where I get to the point where I'm like, I get why people stay because it's so much easier and it's not scary. Yeah. But I don't want to, I'm not comfortable with that at all. Like it doesn't, no part of it sits well with me anymore. Yeah. So I don't want to do that, but I'm absolutely terrified on the other side and I don't know how to sit I mean, with I being okay with that. I think it's just like your uh, massage thing. Like yeah. you just allowed yourself to feel guilty for the first little while and mm-hmm. now you look forward to it and it's yeah. exciting. Yeah. For the first little while, you're not going to know. No. And it's going to be terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. But eventually, you'll get more comfortable with saying to somebody and to yourself, I don't fucking know. <laughs> it's and okay. And that's okay. Yeah. And then the cool thing is that nothing happens. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because you don't know something, there's not really an immediate consequence to that. Unless yeah. you're like acting out of a fear mm-hmm. of not knowing and like wanting to know right away. And then you're just like trying shit that you don't have any education uh, on yeah i get what you're saying so but yeah i think it's just the same thing it's just so it's so it's such a drastic contrast because you're born into a religion and they tell you everything you need to know for now until the rest of eternity and so when you when that whole thing breaks apart and you don't know and being okay with not knowing is that's the hardest part feels like you're in like a bit of a free fall yeah and that's when i was texted you a little while ago where i'm like how the fuck do you do this because how do i how am i okay with not knowing like and i was like oh just take it one day at a time i'm like yeah well what if i get hit by a bus tomorrow (laughs) yeah but you can play the what if game until the end of time and it's just it's heavy but i think the the big thing for me and all this like reading and stuff that i've been doing is everybody's okay that's done this like Okay, meaning like the world has not exploded, right? Like they might have be facing like all these consequences. That's why the the John DeLynn conference was really nice because like these people lost their entire families. They lost their kids or whatever, but they found a community with each other, kind of like where you were talking about, like when you take the step out and it's okay to like not be okay. And it's better to do that than to continue with something that just makes me feel sick now. Yeah. But it's man, absolutely terrifying. I don't really have a cheat code or the answer for you. Oh, man. That's why I came today. Just kidding. Like, you can go through um, what I have done is I've gone through periods where I'm like, okay, I'm going to try and answer some of these questions mm-hmm. and figure out what I believe about this. Yeah. Um, but then you have to take periods away from that. Yeah. And you got to do things that you just enjoy doing. Mm where you're like, this has nothing to do with religion. I'm not seeking answers for anything. I'm just going to go to Hawaii or I'm going to go to Mexico and mm-hmm. I'm, or I'm going to, whatever it is, like just do something that you like to do that makes you feel good. Yeah. And then when you feel ready again. Then kind of go back. Go back and you can answer more questions. And So have you done the approach of um, instead of, uh, challenging your belief to know how you actually believe just why you know that that's not true. Do you get what I'm saying? So instead of taking the step to like, okay, we're going to take something really basic like um, alcohol, okay? So instead of saying, oh, I think alcohol is fine, have you, do you ever go through the, because this is where I get stuck. I go through the process of why do I think that that doctrine of it not being okay is actually wrong? Mm. Uh, I mean, you could take it to an extreme. Like, I work better if I think in extremes. Yeah. So I'll think, uh, like, something that I know is wrong, like eating babies, you know, like something outrageous. That's cultural appropriate. And then, like, why do I think that eating babies is wrong? 
you know, like just yeah. ask yourself like a really ridiculous extreme question. question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're like, okay, well, there's my baseline. Yeah. I know why I think this way. So then what do I think about something that's a bit more nuanced, like alcohol, mm-hmm. where the church has a stance on it? And I used to, but I'm faced with this now. Yeah. And I think that it can be good sometimes, but not all the time. Yeah. So why do I think that it's bad? I think that it's bad because you can make poor decisions like dr- drinking and driving. It mm-hmm. can be bad because it's you can get addicted to it. Or is it bad for me right now because... I'm numbing my emotions with it. Right. Um, because there is a lot of nuance. Like alcohol oh, yeah. can be really unhealthy, but it can also be just something that's fun, fun. And, and, mm-hmm. and whatever. Like, Yeah. So if I have a baseline of something really extreme, it helps me to answer mm. questions that are a bit more difficult for me. Okay. Cause I, Does that help? Yeah. Yeah. Look at you with your cheat codes. I'm going to write those down. <laughs> Good thing this is recorded. I think... Yeah, that's really helpful because that, that's been my problem is that my baseline is the church, right? And so now I'm challenging that entire thing and I'm like, how, where the fuck do I even start with this? Like, okay, murder, bad. Why? Because you're taking someone else's life and all life is valuable. Mm-hmm. So I can, do, I can do the extremes, but then it's the nuances of, like, I'm fine with alcohol. Jesus drank alcohol. The, the, in Jesus' own words, in this other version of the Bible I'm reading, it's a sin to replace it with anything else because it takes away from the blood of Christ. Like, I'm, mm. it just, yeah. like, I'm established how I feel with that. But then when we get to things like, I don't know, some some deeper things. That's where I'm like, well, my baseline would usually be this, but I don't believe that anymore. Well, you're just so, you're, you're very heady. Like you, yeah, you're, you're trying to like figuring everything out in your head. Yeah, because I'm analytical. I'm an analyst. Well, try living. with some of these nuanced decisions, maybe try feeling, like just mm. let yourself feel. Sit in it. Yeah, just like, okay, I want to have a drink. Why? What's the feeling huh. that exists with it? Why do I emotionally feel like it's bad to kill somebody? Yeah. So then now why do I emotionally or whatever feel like it's bad to... You are wise. Because if, if you if you allow your brain to do everything, all the heavy lifting, you're going to drive yourself fucking crazy. That's what I've been doing for like the past three months. And I'm a very emotionally dominant person. Mm-hmm. So I've just allowed myself to feel everything. Feelings. So now I'm trying to give balance to my logical mind mm-hmm. and think things through a little bit more clearly. Um, but you you know you can swing really far to that side and now yeah. I, now i have no emotions left or now i have no brain power left yeah so maybe next time when you're faced with one of these difficult questions you can just say what's the feeling that exists with wanting to drink right now hmm. and why and examine that yeah and then maybe one day it'll be like oh because i'm in a social setting and it feels good and i'm just going to have like one or two yeah. drinks and then next time you want to you're going to be like no it's because i kind of want to numb this yeah and that'll help you to get more in touch with your feelings and remove another tool in your tool bag to make a decision in that difficult yeah like place of like oh shit like i have to make this decision but i'm already intoxicated yeah or i'm tainted because of my beliefs with the church and so instead of that you're going to be able to have this second set of I love that. Like this other tool of like emotion you because then have... you're like that's your emotion. Yeah. I I And your body will answer first, I think. Think you just pinpointed something that I haven't thought about and I love and adore you for it because <laughs> I think that's been my problem. I'm really logical and analytical and that's what I do for a living and that's how my brain works and I got to check off the boxes and so I think that's 
I've been going fucking nuts because I'm trying to give definition to all of it. And the crazy part is, is the thing that I love about my new spirituality is that I feel better. So maybe I should check in with my feelings. Yeah. I stopped reading books and listening oh, to podcasts see, and listening to John DeLynn and Mormon stories. I stopped all that. That's probably a good idea. Because it was driving me crazy with all these different opinions and different mm-hmm. ways to think about things, different perspectives. And I was like, this is too yeah. confusing, too convoluted. And so I would just drink and then in the morning, just feel. Yeah. How do I feel yeah. right now? I feel bad. I feel sick. And so now when I approach a decision, like I don't want to feel a certain way mm-hmm. um and it wasn't it was mine it was my own mistake it was my own success what you know whatever it was yeah and it wasn't i wasn't making a decision based off of the bible or the church or a book or a podcast or somebody else or somebody else that yeah. told me their opinion it was mine huh. because i mean you should read the book <laughs> don't um, read books you should read the book I'm well one of the one this one book called uh the body keeps the score okay and uh, just allow yourself to let that be the last book you read for a little while. <laughs> I completely agree because I've read probably 14. You should see the stack of books I have yeah. next to my bed. Because your body never really lies to you. What's it called? The body, the body keeps the score. Keeps I haven't read it, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's all good. But uh, yeah, your your I don't know. Your body has a lot more control than yeah. you think it does. Yeah. And, so um, a weird thing is, is I have a hard time just sitting with my body because I have a lot of pain all the time, like physical pain from like my ailments and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, but there's, um, the, the guilt thing has been a really good experience for me to just go, I'm just going to feel, I'm not going to try to, because what I was trying to do with guilt was like, it's normal. You need, it's, you, everybody needs to do this. I need to, if I get a massage, then for an hour, that'll let me be a good mom for the next three or whatever. So I was, I was having those thoughts yeah even though i don't have those kinds of anyways that's what i was doing in my brain but once i let go of trying to like define it or trying to explain my way out of what i was feeling yeah it actually let me get not over it but get through that feeling a little bit better where it's just like you know what it's just something i'm gonna feel yeah and then now i don't feel it anymore which i don't know why i haven't thought about doing that well i do because i'm an inherently logical brain you'll get better at it yeah like you'll you'll get better at knowing what you need because if you can listen to your body, your your body's signals that it's sending you. Like uh, I used to not be very good at listening to what my body needed, but now I'm, I'm a little bit better. And so I'm like, okay, right now I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed and spun out and angry. So that's, I know from experience that that's my body telling me I need alone time. Mm. So I just take it no matter what. Mm. Like even if I'm in Portland with a client and I have responsibilities and things, I'll just like take a step away for a moment mm. and just like be in the bathroom, sit there and just like decompress for a second. Yeah. And I'll, I'll do things that strengthen my body, like going to the gym so that I can, I just want to keep my body healthy so that I can trust it. Hmm. Same with my mind. I want to keep my mind healthy and clear, which makes me want to make better decisions as far as my mental health goes. Because I want to know that my body and my mind are sending me accurate signals so that I can know that my decisions I'm making are appropriate and healthy and going to serve me. And You're wise. (laughs) Well, so are you. Like a lot of this (laughs) shit I've learned from conversations with you. Well, it's, it's interesting that there's this dynamic of 
like two different approaches, but kind of like ultimately the same goal. I, it's, it's this concept of like, you have figured out that you're an introvert and I put the label of empath on you, but you're owning it now and empathic. Yeah. And so you're taking the steps to kind of draw yourself more inward and figure out how you feel. I have the opposite where I am like extremely extroverted and I know who I am when I put it out there, but I can't sit with my feelings like you can. And you're learning that through the process, which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's not oh, going to be worry. comfortable Oh, for somebody like you. I'm who... already so uncomfortable though, that I will do anything, even if it requires more discomfort to eventually know that I'm going to be comfortable again. Like yeah. I'm at that place where I'm just like, I'm so just, I, I feel like I have like a snuggie on that I can't breathe in in the middle of the summer and I just want to take it off and I don't care if I'm naked and need to figure this out. I will sit with wherever I'm at because yeah. I just, I'm ready to like breathe again, but I know that's going to take a while. It takes time. Yeah. And don't feel like you have to do it all at once. Oh, no, no. Just it's go been, slow. It's been, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something I talk about in therapy is like, yeah, my therapist is always like, why do you feel the need to like, like get it done now, like do it, get it over with. I'm like, well, then I don't have to worry about it. She's like, but isn't it good to worry about things sometimes? I'm like, no. She's like, I'm not saying be anxious. I'm saying worry. Isn't it good to be worried about something for a small amount of time? I'm like, fuck no. She's like, let's try that again. (laughs) (laughs) Say yes. Say yes. Yes is the correct answer. (laughs) Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. There's not a right way for, there's not like a blanket yeah answer that's gonna be right for everybody oh absolutely not well but you've blown my mind today and i'm gonna like go delete some podcasts from my uh repertoire (laughs) i mean i still listen to a ton of podcasts but sometimes i'm like today i'm gonna listen to one that's like just entertainment oh conan needs a friend podcast is the only podcast that i listen to besides marmon stories yeah and sometimes i'm like god i've been like listening to too much like i'm consuming too much Mm -hmm. so i'll just like that's how i shut off the podcast and just listen to music yeah and just let myself like enjoy a song that's awesome. In a good moment. Yeah. And like, I'll just, sometimes I'll wake up, I'll have my coffee and I'll sit in the grass. That's awesome. And soak up some vitamin D with my cats. Dude, on my lunch breaks, sometimes I take naps, but on the times I don't take naps, I just go walk down my driveway and then walk past all my animals. Mm. And it is the most like there you go. connecting thing. And I do it barefoot because I'm really into being barefoot. I'm such a good Good for you. <laughs> yeah. Grounding. That's like the big new thing. Oh yeah grounding is which hello ashlanders have been doing that since before it was a big new thing (laughs) yeah sometimes i'm like man they have they have they've got something going here there's something they're onto something they're onto something i'm not quite sure what it is and we might need some more soap but yeah oh my gosh oh man well thanks for coming on the podcast for round three thank you for inviting me back for round three now we'll do like six months out month four where i'm like hey yeah <laughs> i sat with all my emotions the last couple months and i'm going crazy and i'm going nuts <laughs> that's why my hair is blue and spiky and i have all these piercings oh god yeah you know, <laughs> oh my gosh maybe that'll happen i don't know have you got a tattoo yet no oh i'm waiting call me text me when you get a tattoo i actually just heard about this new type of tattoo that they use in ink mm-hmm. that goes away after like 15 months huh so it's like a a tattoo that you don't have to live with for the rest of your life so do you have commitment issues with the tattoo is that why you haven't got one Mm, there's probably something like that there yeah Mm. but i i just i don't know i like my body the way that it is oh dude i love my tattoos i kind of like a blank canvas yeah 
And the idea of putting something somewhere in my body that I just don't really feel like a connection to doing that or a need for that. It's expensive and it's painful and it takes time. And the weird thing for me was with my first tattoo, I felt more connected to my body physically while getting my tattoo than I like ever have in my entire life, Mm. which was weird. Nice. But I don't know. No, I mean, it makes sense. Super addicted to it. I only have three right now, but. I mean, I'm not opposed to getting one. I'm not one. pressuring you. I'm just curious because usually the first, yeah. the like token I've left the church things are go get a tattoo, go drink, and then try weed. Those are like the three. Yeah, there's also a little bit of that. It's like, oh, I left the church. I don't want to be that like, stereotypical mm-hmm. person who's like drinking mm-hmm. and getting tattoos and doing all the things that the church says not to. Yeah. Like I want to make a decision to get a tattoo if I really am serious mm-hmm. about it and it's my intention. Yeah. The three tattoos I have, I've had picked out since I was like 16. I was like, if I were to ever get one, and they're all completely meaningful. Like, this one is, like, I am greater than my highs and lows. Oh, yeah. I like that one. Um, It's something that I've wanted, like, my whole life. And then I have a mountain, a wave, and then the sun all connected into one because those are things that bring me so much joy on yeah. one side. And then the sign language, I love you, on the other side. Oh, cool. So those are all things. Now I'm like... Well, I got all the ones I picked out. Do I want any more? Yes, because I love the feeling of getting a tattoo, but I yeah. need to slow down. <laughs> I can see why it would make you feel connected to your body. Cause it's, it's like a physical, uh-huh. it's a feeling that you yeah. like a painful feeling. You're yeah. like, I have no choice yeah. but to feel this moment. Mm-hmm. Which so. it can, people can get addicted to that feeling too, where it's like the, the it's the concept of like pain connects yeah. to your body in a weird way. And but. they just can't, they run out of canvas on their body and they start tattooing their penis and stuff. <laughs> yeah, their, their tongue. I saw somebody yeah. get their tongue tattooed. Yeah, I'm like, their God. penis. <laughs> How's I saw, that going to go when you get I old? didn't see the tattoo, but I uh-huh, saw this sure. guy who was like, yeah, I've got like a, like a lightning bolt and a centipede and like a Wi-Fi signal, like some arrows down <laughs> the side. I've heard of someone have a lightsaber or light saber lightsaber yeah like where it's like when they get erect it gets bigger (laughs) which cracks me creative also how would that work you'd have to keep your erection the entire time you're getting tattooed there's probably a way they do it i don't know (laughs) viagra they just pop it like oh you need this yeah i digress that was a fun spiral (laughs) that was fun (laughs) all right okay thanks ammon yeah thank you i'll be back I'll be back. Actually, and now your people can see me. I'm pretty yeah. sure most people know what I look like. I've looked the same. Yeah, since day one. Since day one. Yeah. Show my kids baby pictures of me and they're like, yeah, I had hair and it looks like mom. <laughs> yep. Cheyenne. Cheyenne. Stays the same. Always and forever. Yeah. <laughs> I <More> love that. <laughs> All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>